Uh, it's the end of a busy week, Joanna. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you didn't even do Apple Watch, did you? Or did I? No. I was going to say, because no. if you did, I missed it. And I'm the most incompetent <laughs> podcast host of all time. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I physically could not do it. Physically, it, uh, it would not be possible. With, well, and, what I did. And I, I'm not going to say I phoned it in, but I, I was, it was like a grand relief to me that to me, my take of the Apple Watch Series 5 was very, very simple. It, and 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 now that we have like some technical information, like developers have hooked it up to Xcode and found out the CPU and GPU are the same, etc. That it really is. It, it's the last year's Apple Watch with the always on screen, which to me is a huge, huge deal, and the compass, which is not as huge a deal because <laughs> you're usually lost in. <laughs> I, downtown I, Philadelphia. Well, I, I wrote in my review that I don't think I've ever needed a compass in my life. Like I've never been like a Boy Scout type. Uh, so, you know, but I, I realized that for walking direction. So I, I did go back and add, add a sentence in the next day in my review that it should be a huge boon for walking directions. Um, but yeah, you know, I see that. Yeah. So, I you know, and I, it, that makes sense, right? It's like sometimes it's like. I don't know. You get you get into a city you're not familiar with. I mean, I'm pretty familiar with New York even, but every once in a while I'll come out of a building in New York and if it's like noon and there's no sun to guide by, it's like, wait, wait, which way is this? Like uptown, downtown? Where the hell am I? You, you know, know what? I actually haven't even thought about that. Like it really right. would help me to know which is west and east. Yeah. When I come out of a subway station and I'm like walk a block across and I'm like, why is this not Fifth Avenue? I thought right. this was Fifth Avenue. Right. Or for me, like – downtown like i'm way more familiar with uh, midtown because i'm just you know i'm like touristy app my, my familiarity with new york is very touristy you know like stay in a midtown hotel and go to a yankees game or go see museums or whatever uh like when i go downtown like where apple has stuff now like at that big mansion where they sometimes hold events it, it the streets aren't quite so grid like you know there's diagonal streets running around and you get off the subway and i i do get spun around sometimes like what what where, where's east west what's so the watch would definitely the compass would definitely help with that so i don't want to belittle it but it really was a pretty easy mm. review for me it's like the always on screen makes is like a huge game changer sign me up i'm buying one you're buying one from a series four to this no i didn't buy series four last year okay so have, my big take is that like i mean it's not really a big take it's just like like you said it's the same thing as a series four if you had a series four there's no reason to upgrade here though it is really cool that you have this screen that's always on and probably should have you know you wish it was there from the start like you wrote but i think if you've got a series three or series two certainly and you're upgrading this is going to make a ton of sense the other thing that apple told me when they briefed me on it was that the compass should help with indoor navigation like when you're in a train station or you know how they have like airports mapped out mm -hmm. now and so instead of just sort of getting you that gps you're within 10 meters or five meters or whatever and it's like all they know is you're like in terminal c somewhere in the middle you know now they can tell you turn left and you'll see the, the coffee place you're looking for or, or whatever i don't you know but that's not a huge deal i would never tell anybody to upgrade the watch just for the compass the always on screen is a big deal yeah, I mean, I loved how you wrote, like, this was the thing you had always wanted. And I think for me, there are some of these still little remaining things of like, they're the things I've always wanted that Apple just hasn't done. I mean, sleep tracking for me was a huge disappointment at the event when they didn't announce that. 
Um, and I know we were tweeting about it before and you were suggesting some of the apps and I've been using some of the apps and they're not bad. They're, they're really not bad, but like they're it's, not Apple. It's right? not the same thing as having it built in. That's, that's right. very true. I, I'm curious about that rumor too. And it's funny, the rumors this year, there were a lot of busts and some, some of them, you know, like the tile tracker thing, that's probably not a bust. That's probably just coming soon. Yeah, I think that's like a month or two delayed. Uh, but I think the sleep tracking thing, I don't think that's going to come in a software update. I think if they were going to do it, they would do it. And and using the Series 5 watch with the always-on display and, you know, the battery life is is probably a little bit less than I was getting with my um, Series 3. So the, my, my personal watches, Apple watches that I have bought, at John Gruber has bought and used and owned, are the original Way back in 2015, I didn't buy a Series 2. Um, then I bought a Series 3 when they added the cellular, um, which I still like having. It's like I like the peace of mind, but I almost never use. And every time I, I look, I, I'm one of those people, I, I do look at my Verizon bill every month, and I'm like, why is this $240? And I'm like, oh, well, I guess so, yeah. You've just been paying for it? Yeah, like 10 bucks a month. And yeah. It's like I never use it, or like I use it like once a year. Uh a lot of money to spend for like one time a year but i kind of like the peace of mind that i could just run out and, and if i needed to make a call or something i could do it um I, I probably exaggerate a little bit there i probably used it more than once a year but it's probably i probably don't use it 120 dollars <laughs> a year enough um but i skipped season, series four last year i really liked the way series four looked last year but i didn't like it enough to to upgrade year over year um and now I bought the Series 5. So I will say, and I'm doing the sleep tracking thing with the third-party apps too. So I wear it when I go to sleep. Um, I will say battery life is a little bit less than my Series 3 was getting. So keeping the screen on in a low-power mode every day. Usually when I wake up in the morning for the last week, I'm around 15 to 20% on the watch. And I've got to, you know... I could charge it while I shower. I usually charge it. I have a charger in the kitchen. I charge it while I make coffee, get my day started. And usually, you know, I, I need a little bit over an hour. You know, I've got to find some time during the day to get the watch back up and then put it back on, keep it on all day. And then with my Series 3 that I had been wearing for a long time, usually I was more at like 30 to 40% when I wake up in the morning. Um, yeah. But that's a trade-off I'm willing to make for the always-on display. That That is a very fair trade-off because I, I really love it. But given given that I'm only getting I'm only waking up with seventeen percent in the morning, I, I and and you kind of it's not that easy to find an hour if you if you want to wear your watch all day and you want to track your stand time and all that stuff, it's not that easy to find an hour to an hour and a half to charge it throughout the day. So I can kind of see why Apple didn't do sleep tracking. Well, so I've had I've been I bought the series four last year and I have tried sleep tracking a couple of nights, similar kind of percentage to you. I think I wake up with probably like closer to 20 or 30 percent. Is that what you said on the three? No, I get I I usually wake up with more like 30 to 40, but I've got the 40, you know, the the larger 42 millimeter size. And I'm guessing you have the 38 millimeter or the the 40 millimeter now. And, and I find that that it's a sh- that makes sense. So I find that it takes shorter charging time. Like I'm good at an hour, right? It's like great. Yeah. Um, and then the the other big thing that I'm sort of thinking through is that um, well, two things. One, I'm going through the settings right now, and Apple told me this would be possible. Can you turn off the 
always on display. Yes. Where is that? So in the watch, you go to settings. I, I think you can do it right on the watch. Settings. Yeah, my go. watch is upstairs. All right. I'm, on, all right. I'm in the app. I'll talk you through it. Settings. Display and brightness and always on. On. And you can type always on and turn it off. Hmm. Yeah, I'm on, the, I'm on the phone right now. Yeah, but you can definitely do it. Do and, then the, and then so, in, in the, it, as a tip to those listening... Uh, in that same section for the always on display, there is also a preference which is off by default called hide sensitive complications. Sensitive complications mm-hmm. contain data such as your calendar appointments, mail messages, heart rate. And if you turn that on, then those won't be visible in the always on mode either. But that is off by default. So, like, let's say you have a, let's just say the calendar complication. If you're like holding the the wrist strap on the subway, somebody who looks at your watch, in theory, might be able to see your next calendar appointment. But you can turn that off. Uh, that's been like one of the top questions that I've been asked from from daring fireball readers. People are very concerned about, rightly so, about the privacy implications of the always on display. Yeah, I don't have that much on yeah. there, so I don't really care. And so the- but 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 my thought is is well, first of all, I, I want to try this. I'm going to try. Um, no turning off always on on and seeing yeah. how the battery life goes because yeah. you could see one turning it off when you're sleeping or turning it off in general like i i like it a lot but i i don't find that like it's a it's a game it's i don't know i'm kind of mixed like there's only a couple times in the day where i look at it and i'm like okay that's nice that i didn't have to shake my arm really hard to see this were you a, a wristwatch wearer before apple watch not in the like immediate years before, mm. but I grew up wearing watches. I like, think that, I loved wearing I, watches. I think that's the big factor. Like I, I've always had a, I've had a watch on my left wrist since I was like fourteen or fifteen. So like, it, it's like I even said in my review this week. Like I, looking back at my original Apple Watch review, I spent like several hundred words right. complaining about the lack of an always-on display and all the scenarios where I was annoyed by it. Um, it's just like muscle memory. Like I've, um, as I've been wearing it this week, I'm like, oh yeah, right. I don't need to like tap it or I don't need to like touch the side or I don't need to shake my arm. Right. Like my, I feel like it's now muscle memory to like try to turn that screen on. The, the, <laughs> the funny one for me is, is wearing, wearing it to sleep now, which I've been doing for months. It never really wakes up for me in bed, like my series three, right? The, this is not the new, you know, my, the one I've been wearing for months. So I go to bed with it. It's dark. It's the middle of the night. I wake up and I'm just like, oh, how close to the morning is it? And I look at the watch. It doesn't turn on. And it's not really anything I can do to make it turn on. And I, I do the same thing every time. I bring it up and tap it with my nose. <laughs> you know, and then it wakes up. Because the other thing is like in the middle of the night without contacts or glasses on, I really do kind of have to hold it close to see it. So I bring it up, tap my nose, and then I can check the time. It is that was so, one of, it is that so was nice one of- not to have to do that anymore. That was one of the best um, A-heads. We have these front page stories at the journal that are kind of quirky and funny. Yeah. One of the best A-heads ever written was uh, one of our our old Apple reporter, now works at the Times, Die, wrote about how people were using their nose and tapping their <laughs> Apple watches like in, in when they were like in airports and no hands yeah. were free. Um, so, yeah, I mean. <laughs> that is a great story. That, I remember when he wrote that. That is – because there's – a lot of people who don't have an Apple Watch are like, what a bunch of goofs. And then there's all the people with Apple Watches who are like, yeah, me too. <laughs> right? 
I used to do it all the time when walking the dog and holding like a coffee or something. Oh, like, definitely. All the time. I'd be like, it, it look ridiculous on the street. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm generally just feeling like the sleep tracking would be that like final health feature that I'd be into. Sometimes I'm not really fully sure why I want it so badly. Cause when I do track my sleep, I'm like, don't learn a ton, but it does make me feel better. But yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't, there's a lot of it too. feels like this. Um, and I think you, you sort of wrote this, that this is, this is the, like the, 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 the time that the watch has hit its stride, that this mm-hmm. is, this is, this is it, right? Like sort of when the iPhone hit its stride and like, this was what it was supposed to be. And I, I kind of feel that way. I felt that way reviewing the series four last year. I just said, this is, this is the time I have very little complaints now about this. And if you had been holding off, now is the time to buy one is to try one, to buy it for somebody as a gift. I don't, I, I'm sure there are more things they will do in these next generations, but this kind of feels like this is what it was meant to be. Yeah. Some of the things I can think of, and it's not a bad idea for Riffin on the on the show, is what else? All right. So I say it's hit its stride. That doesn't mean it's done. Just like I, I like my ballpark estimation for when the iPhone hit its stride was probably like the iPhone 4S, I said, or or so. That's probably what I would say. You know, maybe even the iPhone 4. The iPhone 4 is the asterisk because of the whole antenna gate thing and and it real and the big the big thing is is put aside whether antenna gate was a real technical problem or not. The reason it stands out was that the phone was still AT&T only, right? It, it's it, at least in the U S and that's it was solved with the four S because they came out with the Verizon one, like six months in between. And by the four S that's why I say that's when the iPhone really hit its stride because then with the four S they were on both types of cellular networks the cdma and whatever the other one is uh gsm gsm yeah um and to me that was a huge part of saying hey this thing is sort of fundamentally done right because that was a huge missing hole is you know like if you live in somewhere with if crummy verizon or at&t coverage you know it's a real problem or if you live in a country that doesn't have uh or I guess GSM was more worldwide, so that wasn't as much of a problem. But anyway, it was definitely necessary to get Verizon support, at least here in the U.S. So that's why I say the 4S. That doesn't mean the iPhone 4S was done. I mean, we've you know we've seen an awful lot of improvements from the iPhone 4S, and I'm sure we'll see a lot of improvements for the watch. But I just feel like the big ones, the big oh, here's what I wish it could do, are done. But what else are we looking to see in the future from Apple Watch? One of them I can think of is I'd still like to see it become more independent from the iPhone so that both both for first-party stuff and especially third-party, like it is still, and it's like poor Marco Arment making his podcast player, I think is, you know, going insane and has been going insane for years trying to get a good watch app so that you can go out with AirPods and your Apple Watch and just listen to podcasts. And if you have the cellular one, you know, since you're like I was just saying, since you're paying good money to have that cellular thing, wouldn't it be nice to be able to download podcasts right to your watch? And none of that stuff really works well at the moment. Yeah, I still struggle with with just running with the watch and AirPods. The yeah. syncing, the Bluetooth, all of it um, yeah. is still is it's kind of annoying. I yeah. do it, but it like I, I like build in another ten minutes to get ready for a run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <It's> like, <laughs> It's a warm up. You have to be prepared for the fact that nothing. I'm going to make a warm up video, a warm up with your Apple Watch running video with Joanna Stern, and you just—that's the warm up. 
You just pairing. You do some stretching as you're pairing. You just have to be prepared for absolutely nothing to be ready for you to leave. <laughs> no, nothing's ever ready. I'm right. like, okay. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to run with my giant iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> so there's one I can think of. Uh I, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm super. I'm still super bought in with this as a health device, and yeah. um, I had mixed reactions to the video. I talked about this in the live blog, the video that they played at the event, um, and there was actually then more more chatter about it on uh, Twitter the next day about um, you know people crying during that video, and I even said, you know, I, I will admit, I I felt like crying during this video, and um, actually, you describe the video because I feel like I'll cry if I just describe it. Well, they it, it was it was really interesting in a couple of ways, but it was Tim Cook introduced it, um, and he was just talking about the the people who've reached out to Apple. Uh, I guess not just in the last year, because it wasn't just people with um, EKG monitoring, which is new to Series Four. It was other health problems too, but people who had incidents where wearing an Apple Watch. may or may not have saved their lives or at the very least uh, helped them in an emergency situation. You know, there was a woman who said, Hey, her watch all of a sudden said her heartbeat was irregular. And she was like, Oh, that's weird. And then it like said it again. And she like got her husband to take her to the emergency room. And they were like, Oh yeah, you were about to die. Uh, And it, it, but it was told first person and it was people who I guess were sending these videos to Apple, but a lot of them were just shot on FaceTime, you know, like people. Yeah, no, I mean, I figure what happened, and I actually thought a lot about this during things, that Apple got notes and then Apple called them, the producers of this video, who are very good producers. I was just watching it and I was like, wow, this is a really well-produced video uh, down to like the music track changes in it. Yeah. Um, then probably got in touch with them and asked them to recount those yeah. those moments. Because like how cl- it was that clever moment where the um, pregnant, she was she was pregnant, but the, the baby gets handed to her and that yeah. kind of like had to be somewhat staged. And then yeah. the husband is going out to go mow the lawn or whatnot. Anyway, my, my, my reason for bringing this up is that, well, too, there was this reaction from some people. I think it was uh, Charlie Morzell in the Times who wrote that, you know, they should stop these events. And then somebody said there was a, some bloggers crying or somebody cried. And I, I felt somewhat, I don't know, not ashamed that I cried, but, um, I mean, I didn't want to publicly admit that I cried anyway, um, but it was this very emotional video. And I thought to myself, one, it really hits home for me because I have heard from so many readers in the last year since doing my Apple Watch Series 4 review about the falling feature. I, I have tons of emails from from elderly readers saying, I bought this and I'm so happy that you you know tested this because now I can feel a little bit more certain about buying it for this feature. I have people who have written to me saying I did fall and it did catch it and I could text someone to tell them and I fell. Um, so that's one reason. And then the second reason I had sort of just this reaction was too, is like, it's always odd that Apple, it's, it's odd when a company is sort of selling something that's life or death, right? And yeah. I think for me, I had this reaction like, so you buy the Apple Watch or you die? Like, is, is that what Apple's saying here? Like, is that is that like, you know, the marketing play here? And it was done really, I, I think it was done really tactfully, the video. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure they actually would play it on TV as like a, as a commercial spot. I'm sure it's on their YouTube channel. Um, but it definitely just got me this like, it's a little bit of an icky place to be when selling gadgets, right? Like, yeah. Is it it's it's also a liability for them if like somebody buys one and doesn't save their life. But it's also like this other weird thing. It's like, 
spend two hundred dollars more on the more expensive version because it'll save your life. Yeah, it is touchy. I, I I talked to somebody at Apple about it last year when Series Four came out, and it was sort of a delicate balance to present it on stage because they had like some typical Apple. Here's a video we want to show you, and they showed like an older woman, like a you know clearly you could surmise she was like the grandmother, and she was in her kitchen using a stool to reach a high shelf, and then her grandson was like ramming around the house coming by and you could see she was worried he might kick the stool out from under her or something you know and but they didn't show that they didn't show her having a fall right it was like they just showed like a scenario where somebody might fall and then when they actually showed the falls and they were like and i think it was jeff williams was doing the 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 narrate, you know, the the stage presence was saying, you know, and there's different ways to fall. You can fall forward, you can fall backward, and it's totally different algorithms to detect those falls. They showed stick figures falling on the screen, right? Like so, like rather than show the unpleasantness of of hiring, like right. you, like you did in your video. <laughs> like yeah, you- <laughs> I watched that. Believe me, I've watched that section of the presentation like. At 50 times so right. many times to get that video right right every time it came to something unpleasant like actually showing a fall they they would go to like stick figures or illustrations rather than show actual human beings fall because it's you know it's a hard thing to sell you don't want to it always reminds me of the old uh the old commercial that ran i don't know if you're too young or not remember the uh i've fallen and i can't get up oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> i watched a lot of those too i watched a lot of those for that video <laughs> The ads that, are so funny. That was for those of you who are too young or don't remember, or maybe it, it's a U.S. centric thing. But at some point in the late '80s, maybe probably early '90s, there was a commercial that ran all the time. It was very so famous, good. but it was for I think it was called Medic Alert. It was so it was a, a you know it probably wasn't a bad idea. It was a electronic gadget that you could you could get for an elderly person in your life and they would wear it around their neck like a necklace. And if something bad happened, like they fell, there was a button they could hold and uh, it would call emergency services. Uh, and But it was a really cheeseball commercial. <laughs> but there was this old lady and she falls and she just says, I've fallen and I can't get up. Because her her son had, wasn't a good son and didn't buy her a medical alert bracelet. There's so many of these on YouTube. It's so funny. Yeah. All right, I will link to them in the show notes, and everybody can have a laugh. But anyway, yeah, and we could talk about that. That that was I think it was Jack Nickus from the Times who who had the sort of snarky uh, comment about uh, some you know I think he called her a blogger. Uh, sitting next to him and and it was in the context of charlie warzel's accusation that uh apple bloggers are cheering throughout these apple events neli i was on neli's show Uh, i don't think it's out yet i don't think it comes out till next week but we talked about it but we can talk about it here too um i totally get i think that's such a i get why people think that because there is lots of applause during these apple events but the thing that people don't understand and it's a reasonable misunderstanding is that these events, especially the ones at the the Steve Jobs Theater and the smaller venues like that, and the Steve Jobs Theater in the grand scheme of things is a pretty small venue. Um, the percentage of people who are in that event who are from the media is a lot smaller than most people think. And the percentage who are English-speaking media is really small because there's a ton of yeah. Asian language 
journalists there now. The, the percentage of people at that event who are English-speaking journalists, whether you want to call them bloggers, whether they write for the Wall Street Journal or the Times or whatever, it's really small. There's a ton – a lot of them – a lot of the people there, especially up front, are Apple employees and invited guests who are not journalists. They're just VIPs who are friends of the company or friends of people there. Um, and the people you hear clapping the loudest and the ones who are closest to the stage are those Apple employees and VIPs. It's really not the journalists. And it's, you know, I'm not going to say I've never clapped. Like every once in a while, there'll be a, you know, like I would clap for the, the if I if I had been there, I would have clapped for the, uh, the, the people getting their lives saved. I mean, you know, I've got a heart. Uh, I don't clap. At I don't the... know, John. John, I I clapped, and it was when they announced the eighteen watt charger. <laughs> See, yeah, exactly. See, so, I, uh... <laughs> so I mean, I've got a heart, and I'm not sure. I, I mean, if anyone has a heart, they're cl- clapping when they announce an 18 watt charger right. after so many years of a five watt charger. I I could see that, right? Like, so it, it, I forget. I mean, I really did. I didn't actually clap, but I was, right. um, I was, I was enthusiastic. I was very enthusiastic, and the uh, I, I I sometimes mumble to myself. <laughs> Like uh, usually when I'm there with somebody else who I'm you know, from the journal, we usually sit next to each yeah. other and we're live blogging. I mumble a lot of right. things to myself. And well, so uh, that was definitely a like, um, holy shit, finally. Yeah. yeah. I, I would have clapped for the SF camera font. <laughs> <laughs> right. OK. So there but, we go. But the thing I found funny about Charlie Warzel's sort of uh, and, and Charlie Warzel, who I'm a big fan of and does good work and has and, and this year has been on a very good beat of sort of covering privacy-related issues from a consumer perspective for the Times. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I'm a fan of his work. But Charlie wasn't there. Charlie isn't the sort of – is not a reporter or a gadget reviewer. Um, so whatever he observed of it was remotely watching the video, you know, at home or at the office or whatever. Um, he it, Something to the effect of, you know, the, the laptop-lit screens of – the Apple bloggers and that they're, these are the people who are applauding at all of these things and that it's unseemly or whatever. And it's like, it doesn't, that sentence doesn't even make any sense. You don't even have to be there to think about it. Cause the reason that their screens are laptop lit, which is true for an awful lot of the journalists who are there, their screens are laptop lit because they're either live blogging or taking notes <laughs> because they have yep. to file a story very shortly after the end of the event. Like everybody there is working. It is hard to pay attention to everything and, and observe, you know, cause Apple makes a point. You're like, Ooh, that's interesting. I would like, you know, that's something to write about. I got to take some notes. And in the meantime, they're, they're going on, they've moved on, they've yes. moved on you know? And so nobody has time to clap. Even if you went in and, and it was your first time as a credentialed media correspondent and you're excited to be at an Apple event and you plan to clap, you you don't have time if you're type, type live blogging or taking notes. It's it you know it really is not the case that the j- journalists clap at these things. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the the the. I mean, I don't know how much how many new press they're allow, allowing in now too. Um, I mean, presumably some new publications, et cetera. But a lot of us have been going for years, yeah. and. It's you know the day doesn't really ever get any easier. No, it's um, if anything it's if anything it's harder because they've they've expanded the number of post event briefings and you know in the old days they would only brief like you know they brief like Walt Pogue and Ed Begg from USA Today and that was it. 
Yeah, I mean, like the anxiety might be a little bit less just because you've done it a little. Uh, for me, at least, it's like maybe the anxiety is a little less. I've done it so many times, but it's still it's a grueling day. And um, you just there's there's a lot to write. There's a lot to sort of just try to like clear your mind of of some of the marketing hype on stage. That's usually the hardest thing for me is just yep. to take like to clear and say what is actually going to be important here. Right. Um, I've done a better job also over the years just to say, I'm not going to write something today. I'm going to just save thoughts for the review after I, I actually test this, these devices. Um, but this was the first year. I mean, there was part of what Charlie wrote, which I, I sort of felt, yeah, why did I come to this? Um, you actually didn't go because no. you, you didn't have to travel, but you couldn't travel. Right. Um, but you know, I kind of felt like they could have done some briefings on some of this stuff and maybe been as effective as getting the message across to journalists. But you're you're right in the sense that they don't do these events just for journalists. Right. Oh, and like, I, primarily they don't. The primary right. audience is not the media. These are not press events. Uh, and I, I realize that people think that they are. And most companies, when they hold such events, they are more like press events depending on the size of the company. Like Samsung's events are, I've never been to one, but they're clearly held in cavernous rooms and and they're stocked with hundreds and hundreds of Samsung fans from around the world to, to get that excitement. But like, you know, I was at a T-Mobile event a couple of years. I forget why, but it was real small. There were only like 50 people there and they were all media, you know. That's a press event. A press event usually has like a and a You get to talk on the record with people from the company and, and it's not all off the record. Uh, the Apple events are meant for people who are enthusiastic Apple users who watch from home and and tens of millions literally i mean this is no exaggeration like i think it's 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 hard to it's hard to kind of comprehend how many people watch these these videos from home because it just you know 20 years ago there's i mean people apple nerds still were very excited for keynotes 15 20 years ago but the number of people who that encompasses was it's just dwarfed in today's world I mean, the view counts on the YouTube versions of these videos are just off the charts, mm -hmm. and it doesn't count the video that Apple hosts itself on Apple.com and and like when you go to the Apple TV app if you want to watch there or or wherever. I mean, so tens of millions of people, no exaggeration, watch these, and that's Apple's target and what they want to do. And you can I, I totally understand their perspective is they want to tell the story of these new products themselves. Here's the things we want you to understand about it. Uh, it's very hard to 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 comprehend how important that is to Apple. So that's why Apple still does it, even for a year, where, it, in terms of helping, uh, you know, the world know what's the main point of these phones, they really could have said, you know, the camera's a lot better. Here's a bunch of sample photos showing how it's better. Uh, they come in new colors, and the battery life is a lot longer. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. not trying to belittle it. I, I I, mean, I gave it a glowing review. You gave it a glowing review. Neelai gave it, I, I, in my opinion, probably the strongest yeah. review that The Verge has ever given to an iPhone in recent years. It's a, These are great products. And we can get in. We'll get into the details as this show goes on. But basically, it, it didn't have to be an event. It, it just for us, if it was for us. No. No, good. And I'm really happy to that you agree with that because I was struggling that day. Like, why did we come here? What did I like? 
you know, and and I did take that bigger picture, especially like given that this is the first year they they streamed it on YouTube, right? right? They are they are very clearly trying to make this a moment where Apple can talk directly to consumers, directly to the people who um, love their products, the people who are are interested in their products, um, to the broader industry who creates things for their products. So yeah, I think look, maybe it was really self centered, yeah. and I just was like, why did they make this event for me? I what like. Yep. Why just me? <laughs> hey, let me take a break and thank our first uh, sponsor. It's our good friends at Squarespace. Make your next move with your own website at Squarespace. Maybe you've already got a website. Maybe it's old. It's outdated. Maybe you know somebody who needs a website and you don't want to be on the hook for doing all the work, keeping it up to date. Do it on Squarespace. And I'm telling you, anything you need on a website, you can do at Squarespace. A portfolio, like if you're a designer and you want to have a site like that, a blog, host a podcast, and and not just get it set up, but as you post new content, blog updates, new episodes of a podcast, all goes through Squarespace. It's not like, oh, you set up Squarespace, but then you got to set up WordPress or something like that to get a blog going. No, you could do it all. Squarespace has all of that built in. They have a ton of professionally designed templates to start with for the design. And all of them work great. They're responsive design, so they work great. They scale to phones, to tablets, to giant 27-inch iMacs. Uh, and you can customize them to the nth degree with you, to make the branding look like your company, your personal brand, the way you want it to look, a restaurant or something like that, make it look like that. All of that you can do through Squarespace. Everything looks professionally designed. Everything is really easy and WYSIWYG. You just do it right there in the browser and you want to move something from the left to the right, you just drag it from the left to the right and no coding required. You can do everything from the domain names to content updates. And best of all, you can start with a free trial at squarespace.com slash talk show. Just try it. See how easy it is. See how far you can get before you give them a nickel. And then when you do sign up and you start to pay, just remember, go to squarespace.com slash talk show and use the offer code talk show. Know the just plain old talk show and you get 10% off your first purchase. My thanks to Squarespace for their long time and continuing support of this podcast. I was not there this year, but uh, I've been to a couple at the Steve Jobs Theater and it is... The Wi-Fi I, was great. The Wi-Fi yeah. was great. Yeah, they, they it, they've you know when I think they really I, I feel like they they uh, they flex those muscles the most at WWDC because the WWDC keynote, unlike the Steve Jobs Theater, is truly in like a, an arena sized room. It's massive. You know, there's like five thousand people in the room. Uh, and if they can keep Wi-Fi up, then then they can definitely keep it up for a bunch of live blogging, you know, a hundred live blogging journalists. Yeah, I mean, it's like the Wi-Fi is the thing you complain about when you really. I mean, I just complain endlessly when it's bad, but then when it's good, I forget to say how good it is. Yeah. So it was really good. Do you were you at the event years ago? I mean, obviously, it's it, you know probably like ten. By definition, it's like 10 years ago or close to 10 years ago when Steve Jobs interrupted the keynote because their wi- their Wi-Fi for the demos on stage was broken. <laughs> what? Do you remember what product announcement it was? Uh, I don't remember. I have to put it in the show notes. But there was a keynote. It was probably a Macworld Expo keynote. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was WWDC. But 
they had tried to demo something on stage that required Wi-Fi, and it did it. The demo failed, and <laughs> and they tried again. And Jobs, you know, is in addition to being you know so good on stage in so many ways, he was also good at like dealing with the demo failure on stage, and you know he handled it gracefully and p- turned it into a joke, and then handed over the segment to somebody else for the next part of the thing and was off stage. And, you know, you can only imagine his fury backstage. And he came back on stage and said something to the effect of, you know, I talked to my tech people and they figured out why this failed. Uh, you people. Yeah. <laughs> and he like looks at right. the media section. He said, there's, there's 337 cellular networks. And th- this was long enough ago where the, you remember those things you, you'd buy like a little portable cellular hotspot yeah, yeah. like it, you weren't tethered through your phone it was like a dedicated device oh, yeah i would i would show up to events with like two of those sometimes right or like you know uh, if it was a, a publication like uh, i guess at the time and gadget or whatever yeah. and there were three or four people there that you guys would have one that the whole team could share but the, jobs no, no, we would we would all have our own <laughs> well, because we were so worried and we would bring multiple uh networks we'd bring like one from verizon one from at&t one for t-mobile or whatever sprint at the time because we were worried that we wouldn't have you know one of the networks could be saturated in the room (laughs) well that's why there were 300 of them i guess and jobs i was like so if you want this to go on you want to see the demo turn them off i want everybody to turn them off i want everybody to shut your laptop if somebody next to you has their laptop open Give them a hard time, make them shut it down, and everybody in the, some of the people in the media section like did it, and but most didn't. Everybody just sort of yeah, like, I would just, have been like no, just kept plowing ahead, and and the demo did work then. So I don't know if that was actually the problem or not, but it was a very uncomfortable moment, and it's kind of hard to imagine that happening today because they've they've just gotten so much more. It's just hard to imagine a modern Apple keynote going ad libbed like that, right? It's so true. Could you? It actually would be very funny to imagine. Like they don't have their teleprompter to read, and they're like, "It's got a, a focus pickle something yeah. focus pixels." Uh, it it was, and it was, you know, and uh, you know, job. Everybody knew you didn't have to wait for his biography to come out. Everybody knew that he had famously, you know, in private has, a, you know, could be could have a bad temper. <laughs> could be irascible his onstage demeanor was always you know pleasant and you know he had something to sell and he's in public but that it was like a moment where like we in the real world could sort of see angry steve <laughs> it was i have to i will put it in the show notes it's it's not worth looking up now mid-show but it was and in hindsight boy that really sticks out as boy it was a different era for apple back then Yeah, I mean, but like you also do hear like, I mean, just kind of in passing when you talk to the executives and you hear the executives talking before or after the keynote that like they that they practice so much and they think so. Right. I mean, they've got heavy edits going into this. Um, You know, the first thing that I sometimes ask, actually, after when we go to meet with some of the executives is what's the number one thing you couldn't have talked about on Hmm. stage that you wanted to yeah. Um, I actually ask that always after WWDC because to me, some of the most interesting features that come in iOS, they don't talk about. Yeah. 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 Very, that's a, I, I, I should remember to ask that question. And it actually puts them on the spot because they're like, oh, I think it was in the one draft that we had this, but then we had to yeah. cut it for timing. I mean, yeah. like 
it is a very heavily edited show and yep. they practice gosh i mean also i tend to sometimes work on some stories going into some of this stuff and if you want to get in touch with executives or you want to get in touch with someone from pr to answer questions or get statements they're like no no everyone here is focused 100 percent on the on the show um or on the presentation yeah so um there was a, I linked to it, uh, I think shortly after the event, but there was, uh, somebody had a, an interesting, I forget where they posted it, but it was somebody who used to work on, I think, Guitar Hero or one of those games in the early era of the iPhone. Um, and it was like, what is it like to, to, to demo at an Apple keynote as like a third party, you know, invited company up there? And I've heard this before from other people who were invited that, you know, you, you, Apple calls you and, and gets, you know, doesn't quite tell you that that that's what they're thinking but it you know that that you might be in the keynote but you can kind of read between the lines and then they want you to fly to cupertino and then they sign you sign an nda and like sign your life away and then you go into like a <laughs> you go into like an isolation chamber for days because you know they might have you demo you know your your software whether it's an app or uh uh a game or whatever but you're actually using the new hardware so now you've seen this secret new hardware so that you know they, they've got you in like rooms without wi-fi and stuff like that but you don't know if you're actually going to be on stage and like you go to these rehearsals and you rehearse and you rehearse and you rehearse and you don't really find out until like sometimes the night before sometimes the morning of whether you're actually going to make the cut and be one of the demos on stage so there's you know usually who knows how, but it, and we don't really know how many times because everybody signs NDAs and they, I guess they want to stick to them and they want to stay in Apple's good graces because they work for these companies that partner with them. But you could, pro there's a very high likelihood that every one of these keynotes, there's some number of people backstage who've spent the last week rehearsing <laughs> and didn't even get to come on stage. That's another like short documentary I want to watch. Right. I would love, you know, the sorrow, the sorrow right. that those people feel, the deep sorrow when they're like, oh, no, sorry, you're not going to be on stage. But this <laughs> this story of this guy demoing the game was so funny because the, you know, to paraphrase it, it was like he was nervous and his hands were sticky. And, yeah. And, you know, because his hands were sweaty, it's like he wasn't doing a good job with the with the iPhone. And he was like practicing during the keynote. Uh, you know, like the keynote's going on, he's getting ready to go on and he's practicing the game. And uh, it's like you, 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 it was, I think it was guitar, but whatever the game is, you'd finish a level and get like one through five stars. And he only got four stars, even though he worked for the company. And someone for Apple came up and said, uh, Steve would like you to get five stars. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like, Apple isn't really a four star company. <laughs> The poor guy's like, I can't. But, yeah, but for whatever reason, and this I gets suck. this gets to last week's event. For whatever reason, when Apple demos things like games, they really do play they have the people play them live on stage. And they always have done this. They did it last week. And I kind of think that's a little weird. And I don't think it I don't think it is a great use of time. It, it like I thought that that Frogger demo during the event was bizarrely long and is Frogger really. And now that Apple arcade is out and we see all these titles, it doesn't seem to me like anybody, you know, I, I, I haven't spent any time with that. I haven't even signed up for Apple arcade yet. I've been too busy with other stuff. 
Um, but I have been following like people's initial reactions now that if you if you've upgraded to iOS 13, you can sign up for Apple Arcade, and people are saying here's the initial batch of games and what's exciting. I haven't seen anybody saying anything about Frogger <laughs> yet. Meanwhile, in the actual keynote, they spent what seemed to me like it wasn't 10 minutes, but it watching it it felt like 10 minutes of like somebody playing Frogger. Uh, I felt like that, hey, he, hey, here's what you can be excited about with Apple Arcade would have been a lot better if it was a tightly edited, edited video of here's here's one minute of the best of what's going to be on Apple Arcade and just show a video. I don't know why they make people play games live on stage. It's that's it's just not compelling to me. But for my sake, I hope they do not cut the demo times down because it gives me a time to break and rest and write. Not that I'm not paying attention during the demos. I'm right, not right. paying attention to the demos, honestly. I'm never paying attention much during the demos. I'm like, oh, okay, a moment. I can write down what I need to do. Like, you know, I'm like, okay, let me take, what just happened there? That is a good um, point. So, <laughs> so please, I think the demos are built in, again, for me. The entire event is about me. Right. Apple, they, if you listen to this, continue to do these things for me. The good Wi-Fi for me. The demos built in for me. <laughs> the ones that I always think of, because they do it all the time, is they want to show off the graphical prowess of an iOS device, right? Whether it's the iPhone or whether it's the iPad. And so they'll have somebody come out from some game developer and have some kind of 3D first-person hyper-rendered game where there's a hero with a sword. And it's like, for all I know, they keep showing the same thing over and over again, because that's exactly when I go heads down and start writing notes. <laughs> And right. like go back over the last five minutes, like because I I because they take forever and I have no interest in it. It's like I get it; it looks visually impressive, and you're getting sixty frames per second with this thing. But I I don't need to watch this as it happens. Yep, <laughs> it's always yep. some guy I'm with, with a sword slashing at a demon or a monster or a dragon or something. I don't know. Who cares? And then there's like a few moments built into how they got to use Apple's tools, and it's great. It's great. It's a great rest moment for me. So, um. Yeah. 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 I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> what about the actual iPhones? I guess we should talk about them. I mean, I guess we should. I've just been been so deep with these iPhones all week. Yeah. It's funny. Last night, my son, like, I've barely been home. And when I have been home, I'm like testing cameras. And um, <laughs> last night before he's going to bed, he just says, uh, what did he say? Uh, dark, dark, dark. And he's screaming at me, you know, lights out, lights out, dark. And I'm like, what? And he's like looking at the phone. And he says, more phones. <laughs> and I'm putting it to sleep. And I'm like, you're right. We we did do test photography in here two nights ago. I took like I turned out the lights. I took a picture of him, uh, with of him and the dog with five different phones, Pixel to to the iPhones, uh, Samsung phone. And he just keeps now asking every time he sees the iPhone. What did he actually? I tweeted it. He said, um, "Yeah, dark or something. Lights <laughs> off. Lights off. Lights yeah. off." Uh, <laughs> That's just a glimpse into like how my life goes for yeah. this week. And and every time he sees me now, like he's like, "Mommy working? Mo mommy working?" And I'm like, "This is just killer." Yeah, in yeah. the dark. In the dark is what he said. In the yeah. dark. In the dark. And he turned off the lights. And uh, yeah, uh -huh. so he's a he's a good tester now. Uh 
So have you been continuing to test after the initial the our reviews dropped on Tuesday morning? Uh, have you been continuing to test like the camera and stuff like that? No, but it, it's always for me like after the pressure of the reviews over what phone I choose to use as my main phone is yeah. like the test for me. And mm. um, like last year, after all was said and done, I was I ended up using the 10s for a couple weeks, then till the 10r came out, and then use the 10R loaner phone and then ended up buying the 10R. And this year it's like automatically back to the 11. Yeah. Uh, 11 big or 11 small? Just 11, the iPhone 11, no pro. Oh, oh, so like the the new 10R thing. Yeah. 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 And I was was shocked about it because I was really torn during the review testing. Um, Was I going to get, was I really, did I think I need to go to the 11 pro or was I going to just get the 11 um, hmm. Or or not not upgrade the 10R because um, I'm thinking I'm going to give the 10R to my wife and then buy a new one this year yeah. and just get myself into the upgrade program because I just yeah. need to do that probably. It it is a phenomenal phone and it is if anything Apple's base model pricing disguises mm-hmm. how much of a value the regular iPhone 11 is because my recommendation for anybody would be not to buy the base model. 64 gigabytes is just not enough storage. And I, I look, I, it's like one of the ways, one of the things I do with family members and my wife is I like to, you know, I'll see like, hey, how much storage does a typical person use? Like, what is my mom's phone? Like my mom, you know, got one, has had one iPhone in her entire life. I forget how many years old it is now. It's like maybe like three years old. I don't know. She was, she didn't want one until like three years. She didn't want one until she got hooked on iMessage on her iPad. And then she's like, would I get that on my phone? And I was like, yes. And she's like, I need that. And I was like, all right. Um, 64 gigabytes is just not a good value. And with the 11, you can spend just 50 bucks more and get one with 128 gigabytes, which is plenty for most people. Like just looking at like my wife's phone and other people's phones, it seems like 64 is pretty tight just with photos, right? Like photos and iMessage attachments take up most of the space. And 128 is plenty. Like it just seems like typical iPhone users often have somewhere around 64 gigabytes of stuff stored. And so if you have 128 on the device, you have plenty of room. 50 bucks. But yeah, if you, I if, didn't even make that point. I should have made this point. If you, I don't think I examined it enough. In yeah, if you, and then on, but on the 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 catch is that if you go with a pro. There is no 128 mm-hmm. gigabyte option. You have to go all the way to 256 and it's $150 over the base yeah. model. So to me, the phones that most people should be looking at are the 256 gigabyte models if you're looking at a pro and the because not because you need 256, but because 64 is not enough and there is no 128 and the 128 is perfect for just about anybody you know just go check your settings general iphone storage and if you're over 128 well then you know look at something bigger but you're probably well under get that one it's only 50 bucks more and that's a 400 price difference between the 128 right. gigabyte iphone 11 and the 256 11 pro 400 bucks I did not even think about this. I mean, first of all, I do I do think that for some people, sixty four is enough. Um, especially if, if you're playing for iCloud, if you yeah. if you're playing for iCloud Photo, you're you're probably okay. If you're like the average person yeah. who doesn't take a million photos, Check. I take a million photos, yeah. so it's easy I to find the- out. Check your settings, and if you're under well under sixty four, then go get yeah. the sixty four. You know, yeah, but the one twenty eight, you're right, is 
$750. And then versus the Pro, which I would need to go on up to. $1150. $1150. That's a lot of money. I mean, it's it's literally more than a 50% difference because, you know, $800 versus $1,200 would be exactly, you know, 1.5 times as much. But 1150 is actually more than 1.5 times as much uh, as the 750. It's such a great value. And it's, it, it's, it's got the same great regular camera. And most yeah. people I know only shoot with the regular camera. I know people I, – I was talking to – chatting with a guy who works at Apple, literally worked at Apple. And is an engineer, very smart, um, recently left. And he's just been a friend, you know, like an iMessage friend for years. He literally didn't realize his iPhone XS had two cameras. And I was like, what did you what? think? What? He didn't realize. He just, you know, he knew it could zoom, but he didn't really realize that it was two cameras. And this is somebody who worked at Apple. Um I hmm. I looked at my wife's I did like a thing where I you know with her permission I went in and looked at my wife's um uh photos that she's taken with her uh 10s over the last and and 10 she had a 10 2 years ago. So she's had 2 years with a camera with dual lenses and I looked through her photos and she never uses anything other than the the one X lens. And the one, yeah. I, I I mean, there might be like one or two where I'm, she. I'm really in. my bigger question is like, what were you worried you were going to find? But I want to ask that on the podcast. No, I wasn't um, worried. I, <laughs> I I just you know it, it's you know it's privacy, just being polite. Privacy. Yeah, 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 it's respect. It's respect for you know. You just, it just turned out there were just all these photos of you sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shot at one X. Uh, Only shot at one X. Why I, no zoom? Why no zoom there? Right. So I really think that not having the telephoto is not a big deal for most people. Uh, and if you're only zooming in a little, like the equivalent of two X, uh, the digital zoom is so good these days. I like. I think that in a lot of lighting conditions, it would be very hard. You know, like Neli could tell because Neli has razor sharp eyes and really, really is keenly aware of like the 100% level pixel, you know, noise and stuff like that. But for most people, especially if you're only looking at your pictures on your phone, doing this without the optical zoom of having a telephoto lens, just pinching pinching out a little bit to zoom in a little bit will look just fine. It's it's a great camera for most people. Um, I think the screen is just terrific. I, Neli and I talked about this. I actually think that at nighttime, the color of the the LCD iPhone 11 display looks better than, than the, the, pro. the 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 than the pro i really do i think it does whites better and because oled has the weird the way that oled works with the sub pixels is really really strange and it's why for years before you know before apple had an oled screen and the early years of android phones with oled screens had really wacky colors i mean it was like you know, really vibrant and almost neon colored stuff that wasn't supposed to be neon colored because OLED is weird. Whereas the LCD, it's just RGB, red, green, blue for every pixel. Uh, I actually think at nighttime, the, the iPhone 11 screen for a white background, which is what a lot of people do. You're you're using messages if you're not in dark mode. You're reading email. You're uh, doing stuff like that with a white background. I think it looks better. It's a great value. Yeah, I mean, now also that you put together that pricing thought for me, like, am I really going to play pay that much more for the telephoto lens? I did because I'm an idiot, but I, well, you're you, you know. 
<laughs> but I can tell, I, I really do mean it sincerely. And I think it's even stronger than last year. Like last year, there was a strong consensus among reviewers that, hey, the 10R is the iPhone from the new iPhone for most people. I think it's even stronger this year that the iPhone 11 is the iPhone for most people. And I think ju just calling it the iPhone 11 on Apple's part shows that they agree. Yeah. I think this is the question for me is, am I most people? And I think I am. I think I've, I've just realized I'm most people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also the battery life. For me, when I did this, just tried to do as much battery life testing as I could. The you know, I think the order, the order I really do feel certain is, is you get the most with the the max, then you step down a little bit to the eleven, and you get like you know maybe it's an hour or hour and a half, maybe two hours shy of what you would get from the max, and then below that is the pro. And so, even though I like the, having the telephoto on the pro and the smaller size of the pro or the eleven pro. Um, I think I'm still better with the longer battery life of the 11. Yeah. Uh, let me take another break here and thank our next sponsor. It's our good friends at Linode, L-I-N-O-D-E. Looks like Linode, but it's pronounced Linode because they specialize in Linux server hosting. Look, you can build it on Linode. Dedicated CPUs, distributed applications, hosted services, websites, anything you need to build that you require a server, you could do it at Linode. Uh, Everything they offer features native SSD storage, Every, all of their data centers around the world, and they have like 11 or 12 of them now, feature 40 gigabit networks and industry-leading processors. Uh, and they have additional data centers opening all the time. They've just opened in Mumbai, India. They had, have one in Toronto that opened earlier this year. That's important, not just for you and your team. If you're in Canada, you want to be closer to your server to get lower latency and stuff like that. But sometimes it's even a legal requirement where maybe the country you're in or the business you're in needs to host the data within the country that you're in. So having these uh, 11 or 12 data centers around the world is a big deal. Uh, and here's the thing. You pay for what you use with hourly billing across all plans and add-on services. So if you only need a burst, let's say you have a big product announcement or it's a, a new version of something coming out and you have a day where you're going to have excessive traffic, you can pay more to get more bandwidth, et cetera, ramp up to more processors on the day you need it, and then go back down to what you normally need automatically. It's really, really convenient. Uh, and they have a new cloud manager that Linode has written featuring an improved user interface at cloud.linode.com. You can go check it out. Uh, it's open source even. And really, it's just uh, people I know who use Linode and, and developers. And I'm a customer too. I'm a customer and I would tell people to use it even if they weren't sponsoring the show. That's how much I like this company. Uh, headquartered right here in Philadelphia, by the way. Their, uh, their headquarters is actually the building that used to be the house where the real world Philadelphia was shot. Just a little behind the scenes stuff. Anyway, for listeners of the show, if you need web hosting and you're interested in trying this out, they've got a phenomenal deal for you. Use the promo code TALKSHOW2019, all one word, no space, TALKSHOW2019, and you get $20 a credit. Their hosting starts at just five bucks a month, and the five bucks a month plan is totally credible, very usable for a lot of things. So you could get four months of free service right off the bat just by going to linode.com slash the talk show. That's the URL, linode.com slash the talk show. And use that code talkshow2019 when you sign up, get $20 a credit, four months of free service. Unbelievable. So my thanks to Linode, great web hosting service. I'm a happy customer. Go check them out. I might use Linode. 
It's a really great company. Do you ever watch The Real World? I never watched. I told Amy this though, and she she used to like be a on fan. MTV. Yeah, the MTV. Of course, I did. Yeah, you well, didn't watch. Where were you? Where uh, were you in the nineties? I don't know. I guess I watched in the early years. I watched a series or two, but and then I did watch the Philadelphia one for a couple of shows till I got annoyed by all the cast members. But anyway, that's where Linode is. Their headquarters is a big old grand <laughs> mansion type building uh, where the real world Philadelphia kids used to live. They're they're probably like all my age. They're probably all under fifty years old now. I'm like, what does Linode have to do with the real world? I'm like, no. did the, one of the founders end up where they? No, um, they took over the building. It was the, the that's their head, Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, yeah, their Philadelphia <laughs> headquarters is the building. Is that it, it's like a weird building in old? We call it old city Philadelphia. Old city meaning it's that's like the part of the city that was vibrant back, like when the Declaration of Independence was written, et cetera, et cetera. They have a big old grand building down there. Uh, that was a looked like a mansion when the real world kids lived there, and now it's you know it's an office for a vibrant web hosting company. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I, I watched San Francisco, New Orleans, Hawaii. I can't remember. I probably did I watch Philadelphia? I need to go back and see yeah. what that was. Anyway, uh, anyway, iPhones, iPhones. So your review, you did. Uh, you always, have, of course, have to do video because that's part of the that's part of the that's part of the part of the job at the Wall Street Journal. You have a you have a column to write, and then it goes in the newspaper, goes on a website. But you actually wrote two reviews this year, which I thought was really interesting, and you know, I'm sure it made it all all the easier for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was I was struggling too because I thought I wanted to make I wanted to write one piece with sort of that angle of the second piece, which was really. Right. From I mean I I haven't actually gotten to the final count yet, but I think we're closing on like oh, near four hundred five hundred reader emails. Um, wow, which um, is always amazing because people really think they can just write to me and I I can write back and give everyone personal tech advice, which I wish I could. Right. Um, but so many people this year seem to be writing in about iPhone 6s and iPhone 7s or iPhone 6s. I would really just kind of say the 6 model and the 7 model or 1. And I was like, okay, so this year I'm not going to do a review. I'm just going to – I'm, I'm going to do a review, but I'm going to contextualize it this way. That like if you're upgrading after three years, here's what you're getting. Here's how to decide on the on these. But then I realized as I was writing that or trying to write that, that I was sort of leaving out a lot of the guts of what people may want to know if they do want to upgrade from right. – a year before, um, you know, probably much more of your listeners or readers or, you know, maybe yeah. they're in the one or two year range. Uh, so I decided to write these two pieces. I thought that it was interesting. I thought both were interesting. Um, and I thought that your technique with the because one of the things and again, it, I say this every year, it, I, I don't mean to complain because this week, iPhone week is one of the highlights of my year professionally i enjoy it it's like playoff time for people in our business and you yep. gotta be you know i know people are they you know I, I get way you know my iphone reviews are some of the most read things i write all year long um i enjoy doing it it's a privilege to do it i would if you would have told me you know 20 years ago 15 years ago that hey you'll you're gonna get to write reviews of like the most anticipated Apple product of the year a week before they come out I would have been like wow that sounds that's terrific that's exactly where I want to be you know it's it's a thrill so I don't I, I want to preface all of this but getting I feel the same way yeah get, getting three iPhones at once and tell, being told you know the, everybody's reviews are gonna come up in six days it's like <laughs> it's yeah. it is hard 
uh, it's, and it's a, hard. I mean, it is even harder when you really think about how much has changed from yeah. last year, you yeah. know, and being able to say, okay, I want to focus on these changes, but I also need to contextualize for people who may not care about these camera updates or may not care about these processor updates, right. what they should do. Um, and no, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And like, I, I, I always... Like I, it's always an exhausting couple of days. Like there's truly no sleep. There's truly no time for anything outside of making videos, yeah. writing, testing, battery testing, taking photos of anything that moves, even stationary objects. I just I'm like a nuts. I'm just a com- complete crazy person. Um, to the point where actually I'm working with a new video producer this year, and he's like, sort of maybe we should just capture you doing this stuff. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't want anyone to see me. Like he's like, let's just capture you know you making these phone calls. You doing this stuff? Like, no, I don't want anyone to see me like this. One of the ways I, I took the same shortcut last year is I, I I evaluated. I knew that they were supposed to be the same. Last year's 10s, 10s Max. This year's 11 Pro and the 11 Pro Max are supposed to be the same phone, same processor, same screen technology, same exact three cameras and same three camera sensors. Everything is the same except for the very obvious difference that one is bigger than the other and has a bigger screen and therefore has a bigger battery. So because I was so camera focused in my reviews, I I did, you know, set up all the phones and I verified that, yes, these cameras are identical. If I take the same photo from the same setup with any of these three lenses, I, I cannot tell the difference. Okay. So I put the max aside from that point forward because it, I, I didn't do extensive battery testing. I was mostly focused on the camera. So why bother shooting with that third one when it's going to be mm-hmm. exactly the same? So I mostly focused on the 11 and 11 Pro and then comparing it to last year's phone. But you, with the battery focus, like you're, the lead of your review is – like I, like I wrote when I linked to you yesterday, it's, it, it, it entertains me. And I, this is why I like reading other people's reviews and love reading your reviews is that you and I sort of had the inverse review where you were like, look, the battery life is better. And as icing on the cake, the cameras are better. And my take was, hey, the cameras are so much better. And as icing on the cake, the battery life is better. Which are both very good takes. I mean, I'm right, obviously. (laughs) And you are wrong. Well, you're probably right for in terms of applicability to more people. Well, I I mean, uh, Neil and I had this fight, too. Like, he's, you know, his big thing is you can't buy better pictures after the fact yeah right like he does we didn't actually talk about this but like it's like you can do other things to save the battery life right mm-hmm. you can do other things you can buy chargers you can keep charging you can do all these things but cameras like and we talk about taking photos of our kids all yep. the time and he's obsessed with taking great photos of his daughter and they're amazing photos um and i'm always happy when he comes over and takes photos of my son because it's like these are amazing photos that i just yep. you know just take photos of with my not crappy camera on my phone, but it's the one that I have with me, right? Yeah. Um, and so you can't throw money at that. So yeah. yeah, everyone should buy a better phone with a better camera. Um, and they shouldn't, you know, do things, have to go out of their way to take better photos. And I hear that. But I also hear the fact that, like, I see, I don't know, everyone walking around with a battery yeah. pack in their in their pocket and have a, a lightning cord on them. Or you can pretty much know that anywhere you go, you can find a lightning cord because people are fi- are, are drowning out of battery life and so i mean for me and i also you know it's funny i I read back my iphone 6s review which was you know 
for me, probably a career maker, or it was a highlight of one of the bigger highlights of something I've written in my career, because it got a lot of notice at the time, because this was supposed to be an S update, and just a simple, you know, spec update for Apple. And I kind of took that moment to write about how Apple wasn't addressing some of the biggest issues we were having with our phones. Hmm. And the number one thing I said in that review, three years, four was it? That's three years ago, was battery life, that there had been no improvements to battery life, in the last number of years, and that the phones were getting thinner, but Apple hadn't been adding battery life. Yeah, and it's funny. I It's very clear when you listen to the way Apple talks about battery life, which is always – it's funny. It's a hard thing to measure. There is no way to put one number on it. you know. And if you were going to put one number on it, people put on the milliamp hours, you know, the actual technical spec- technical specification of the battery. But that doesn't tell you the story, right? Like you can't just say a- Apple's phone has a 3,133 milliamp hour battery and here's a Samsung phone with a 3,600 milliamp hour. So therefore the Samsung one has a better battery. Well, it does have a bigger battery, but that doesn't mean you're going to get better battery life. You have to use it. And you can't, you know, like Apple does these things now where they have like audio playback. Neelai and I were laughing about it because like the audio playback is like 65 hours. <laughs> and it's like, who, who is just like, I'm going to set up my iPhone, play, play some music and just let it go. Not plugged in for 65 consecutive hours. But it is a measurement, you know, and they do video playback, streaming video. So it's like you can get 17 or 18 hours of continuous Netflix video playback. Yeah. And actually, I had to change. So I've been doing battery testing for like, I don't know, 10, 15 years now because of when I used to test laptops. And I went through many, many years of using video rundown tests or even streaming audio tests. And then there were times where I had worked with engineers to create web street web web surfing tests. When I was at the verge, I worked with an engineer was like, when we first started the verge, my big thing was like, I'm going to make our own industry (laughs) battery test. And uh, Neil, I or Josh Sapolsky at the time said, okay, fine, here's some money, go hire a engineer. We made we made this site, it would cycle through uh, different websites. I was obsessed with it. And it didn't it it had a lot of issues, it would always crash. I mean, battery life testing is one of the worst things as a reviewer. Um, And that's why this year, I kind of just said, I'm going to go through my normal routine, which each of these phones I, I got to do each day and I did two days with the 11. Yeah. Um, I, no, I did two days with the pro 11, the 11 pro, because that was the one I was you know, really trying to figure out how much better did this thing get? And um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, part of me feels like Apple's like, and I said this in the piece, they've, they've admitted that they needed to do better, better there. Yes. They're slightly thicker. I mean, you really wouldn't even really be able to tell the difference, but they're talking about it too. Right. Um, Part of me also wonders, like, how much of this is just to preempt next year when they when they likely do add five G, and that does likely take somewhat of a hit at battery. Yeah, I wonder. Um, well, I I loved your approach. So basically, for people if they haven't read your your main re- iPhone eleven review, and shame on you if you haven't read Joanna's review. Yeah. Hell, in, or watch a- the video. Please just right. watch the video. More video views, please. Um, but it's a brilliant technique, and and it parlays or it builds on the trust you have with your readers because ideally what you would want to do is what you said you'd like tried to build a diverge and and build like a scientific rig where you could dupe somebody could say here's what we did we we did these 26 steps if you do the same 26 steps you'll get the same results right that's science right you're supposed to have reproducible results 
it just it just that's not a good way to test phone battery life in a real world. So what you did was you set up all three new phones and went through a typical work day with the same commute and going into you know I, I guess you went into the Wall Street Journal office every day. And Manhattan it's, remains a battery killer. Like I had to go because I didn't go to California this year. I had to go to New York to to get the review units. And it was a real quick trip. I was like, I went up early in the morning on the train, you know, had my briefing with Apple, got the phones. And I was like back on a train to Philadelphia by like 1230. And I was like looking at my, my iPhone 10 S my, my, at the time, you know, my, my real phone at the time. And I was like, holy crap, I'm at 50%. (laughs) And I was like, I wasn't like on the phone. I was just like talking to people at Apple. I was like, my God, Manhattan is a battery killer. So you went through your typical day with all three phones and just recorded, you know, here's, here's when I came home and went to bed, here's what was left. I think that's useful. And I think that's a, it's more useful to real people to find out how these things hold up in a real world. But you can't reproduce it. You can't say, I'm going to, I'll reproduce Joanna's resu- results and live a day as Joanna Stern. Well, you, you can't no. do that, right? I, I mean, I did do, I did do the battery, the video rundown tests. Right. I did end up using, um, you know, I used to use this video on Netflix that was 11 hours long and I would run that down. Um, I did find the same video on YouTube. So I, I did do that test just to see the gap between last year's model and this year's model and to also see, you know, just give it a benchmark from each of these phones around the same test under the same conditions. What are the gaps between them? So we could kind of see like... Yes, the Max really does get the most battery life. It ran for 14 and a half hours. The 11 ran for 12 or 13 and a half hours or 13 hours. And then, you know, the 11 Pro ran a little bit less. So I still think that's a worthy test. And no one, I don't think most, no one's going to do that. I mean, like, I I just do that because I feel like, let me just add some more testing. I just do that to make my life more of a living hell, honestly. (laughs) Um, There's no real reason I do it otherwise than just to... To, to hate myself. Right. But I think you were right to go back to the iPhone 6S. I think you were right and nailed it when you wrote that review that up until that point, it was very clear that what Apple was doing every year was saying, our battery life is good enough. Like it was like 10 hours or something. It was like 10 hours of, of X, I don't know, video. So let's say 10 hours of video playback. And it was very clear that year after year, they were saying, well, 10 hours of video playback is our, that's our, our goal. And then the team would like, so let's see how thin we can make a new iPhone that still gets 10 hours of battery life and uh, see if we can make it lighter and still get 10 hours of battery life year after year. And I really think, I think you called them out on it. And in hindsight, you were very much right. And I think Apple clearly internally had a, a, Hey, I think we've got the wrong, this holding on to this amount of battery life is wrong. We need to improve battery life. People are using these phones more and more. And the interesting thing is that I think the 6S is the thinnest iPhone that was ever made. If not, it was the 6. It's very close. But somewhere around the iPhone 6, year after year, or at least not counting the S generations that were the same thickness, the phones get got thinner and thinner and thinner. And then from the 6 forward, they've gotten thicker every time they change the hardware. The 7 was slightly thicker. I mean, every every time it's gotten thicker, it's been slight. But you add that up over a couple of generations, and the the phones this year are actually quite a bit thicker than an iPhone 6. Yeah, and I think it was very telling, because I also remember thinking, okay, I'm, maybe I'm on to something with calling them out on this. When they, it was 2015, same thing, same year as the 6S release, it was the first year they released the smart battery case. 
Yeah. And I thought that was a big admission, too, that we know that people are strapping giant batteries to the back of our phones and because we're not giving them enough here. And I mean, that's what I said last year in the 10R review. This was the first year that I thought they designed a battery battery of an iPhone that could keep up with us. Though, I mean, the Plus models had been doing quite a bit of that for a while. Um, but between the 10R last year and the Max, it was like, this is the first year that that there were phones that could keep up with a heavy user. Yeah. I think, and I, I wrote about this in my review, one of the changes this year is that they've dropped 3D touch across the board. And last year, the iPhone XR was already at where all of this year's phones are, already didn't have 3D touch and used what they now call haptic touch instead. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why the XR got so much better battery life than the XS and XS Max last year was that it was already had a bigger battery uh, and the LCD screen is lower, you know, uses less power than the OLED screens. So uh, you're thinking is that because the the chip inside that was enabling the 3D or the layer on the yeah, screen? Yeah, it's the layer. It's the the layer removing that layer and. Nobody at Apple, I mean, nobody told me anything on the record, but off the record in my briefings, I was, it wasn't told, hey, getting rid of 3D touch allowed us to make the battery thicker. But reading between the lines, that's what I heard is getting, you know, it's, and I, I really do think that like the, I'm sure they're out by now. The, I, I didn't look, but the iFixit teardown, I do think that the battery, uh, definitely got to use up some of the volume that the 3d touch because it was it was a full layer underneath the screen corner to corner because you could do 3d touch presses anywhere on the screen and it was a full layer i don't know how thin it was it was probably you know i'm sure if you took it apart and said here's the actual 3d touch layer it's probably like you know looks like you know like a sheet of paper it's like well that didn't take up much space but in the you know every single little bit of volume matters in these phones they're so densely packed with components uh and, and i think the evidence is there that the going from the 10r to the 11 this year so by in apple's measurements you get one hour of extra battery life which is a good year over year change but the pros are yeah the pros get four to five hours of extra battery life and i really think that that removing 3d touch was a big part of that that they they you know and and kudos to apple i think for for being willing, I'm not going to call it a mistake, but to, you know, it, it's, they were willing to go back and rethink how we're going to do, you know, these long presses and force presses and sure th in and of itself, 3d touch is definitely better than the haptic touch, but the trade-off for extra battery life, I think is absolutely the right trade-off to make. And funny enough, they introduced that in the success. Yeah. 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 Which put the success even further back. Right. I guess from where it could be battery life wise. But uh, obviously, I mean, the, the funny thing in this all too has been that I've heard from so many success owners who have been so happy with their phones. Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious about that, and it's uh, you know, and, and I try to emphasize it. I know my audience at Daring Fireball is is definitely the enthusiast crowd, and so they're you're right. I'm sure there are way more people who are on the you know annual upgrade plan and do get new iPhones every year or at least get them every two years. And the journal audience is obviously truly mainstream. I mean, it's, you know, this massive newspaper that is popular all across the country, if not the world. And you're going to get people from, you know, 
all sorts of levels of technical acumen. And you're going to get a lot of people who are just using an iPhone 6 or 6S, you know, and just because that's that's what normal people do. They use their phones until they break. Right. Or, or yeah, until no, you're, you're the, I, as I said in my piece, sir, upgrades a lot or, or those are your readers. And yeah. you know, I think I have some of those readers, but I also have a lot of these, as I said, yeah. sir, sixers who are yeah. just like coming out of the woodwork and not yeah. sure what to do about, you know, well, I think the main thing for them is that their phones are old and they're, and they're falling, you know, it's time to upgrade, but also they're not going to get iOS 13. Um, right. Which to me is a reason to upgrade to a new phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's a lot of things that won't work without iOS 13. There's, st- I mean, it's still not out. The third, you know, we, get, we I guess we should talk about the disaster of the iOS 13 rollout it before we wrap the show. But there's features that you you need to like the uh, shared folders in iCloud Drive and stuff like that only work if you're up on the latest version. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, to me, uh, yeah, and for me, it's always you know security updates yeah, and security. I think- I wrote a big piece about sign in with Apple and I'm, I'm, I think it's a reason to, it is the reason to upgrade. Also the new emoji. I, and everybody agrees. It sounds funny, but it, everybody seems to agree that it really is a big motivator for normal people to keep their iPhones up to date is to get the latest emoji set. <laughs> I actually believe that might be the biggest reason. I, I do never too. thought of that, but you'll, you'll end up with the little box and you'll have no idea what somebody's trying to say to you. All right. And somebody will, t- you'll say, what is that? And then they'll tell you, and it sounds like a fun emoji to have <laughs> and you, you want it, right? <laughs> oh, I want that. Why That's I- actually a very funny story. Yeah. I, no security researchers. I, I follow a couple of them on Twitter. They 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 they're deadly serious people for the most part. You know, they're some of them are rather humorless. Really, it's just the mentality of being a security researcher. They they absolutely believe that it's it it's a great uh, it's a boon to security because it really does motivate people to uh, you know it you know effectively it's like good hygiene for your phone keep it up to date with the software updates well the emoji is what makes people want to do it <laughs> it's amazing especially like teenagers because you know they they probably most of them probably don't even type anything other than emoji yeah yeah um yeah the ios 13 rollout has been a disaster in well, my opinion let's well, hold off on that let's hold off on that I, the other thing i want to talk about and i don't want to you know badmouth a, a fellow member of our tribe but uh i thought the other thing that was really interesting about your second review your here's a iphone 11 review for those with older iphones was a fascinating contrast to brian chen's new york times his only review of the 11s which i (laughs) i wrote about during fireball i thought it was a terrible review i really because i don't think it was helpful i i thought that he uh again i you know i'm not asking you to slag on Brian here on the podcast other than uh, let me do it. <laughs> but I thought his review was terrible because I really don't think it was helpful to people with older reviews and saying things like, Hey, these new phones take great pictures in low light. And these, uh, you know, maybe your success takes terrible pictures in low light, but you could just turn on the flash. Uh, I called it technical malpractice. Like that's, it's terrible advice. Like really, I like, I think a great premise for a mainstream tech columnist would be a column like how to get good pictures in low light with your existing camera without using the flash because the flash is terrible. Uh, Thank you for these great column ideas here. Yeah. That, John. Uh, I, I, that would be a great column idea. In my opinion, how to get good pictures in low light, you know, balance, you know, keep your hands still, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, 
and your column was your second review of the phones was exactly this, basically the same premise. You're somebody with an older phone and you might want to hang on to it or maybe not. Here's how to evaluate whether now's the time to upgrade. And yours was like entirely helpful. It was like, here's how you can make a rational judgment. Like that's, that to me is our job as reviewers. You know your audience and write to the audience. And, you know, like I said, my audience is a little different than yours in some ways, but know your audience. And my goal is, look, I've got this phone before any of you do. Let me try to help you understand it. Here's what's new. Here's what's interesting. Here's what's good. Here's what's bad. Here's what's missing. Here's, you know, maybe why you don't want it, but I want you to understand it. Uh, and I thought, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I had the, I mean, it was it was very helpful to have this body of emails, which my editor, Wilson, helped me uh, kind of go through. He went through many of them and we sort of organized them based on issues people had with the new phones, why they were upgrading, what they were scared of. I mean, I was so many people very scared of Face ID. Uh, It was very interesting. That's what I wanted. I just about to ask you that. Yeah. So how many people I I have this theory that so uh, I forget if it was. I think it was last year. It was last year when both of the new phones. So two years ago, the iPhone 10 came out with the revolution, you know, face ID, no home button. And they go hand in hand. Last year, both of the new phones had no home button face ID. And there was this, I don't get into the finance stuff with Apple as much. You know, you and I like to talk about the products, the software and the hardware. But there, you know, there was this hiccup where it seemed like the first quarter of sales of new iPhones was a bit disappointing, less than Apple expected, less than analysts expected. And the stock took a hit in January when they had to announce this. One of my theories, I can't prove it. I don't know how you ever could prove it. But one of my theories is that there's so many people out there who are spooked by the change. They're used to having a home button. You click the home button and that's how you go back to the home screen. And they're used to touch ID and face ID seems a little scarier and maybe like maybe it wouldn't work or maybe there's a privacy thing to be spooked about. It it somehow seems a little weirder to, to people than a fingerprint reader uh, that I think that sales were hurt by that. I really do think that there was X number of million people out there out of hundreds of millions who might buy an iPhone who put it off. So I'm curious to hear what the readers uh, of the journal were writing about that. I mean, I, I've gotten, I'm looking through a lot of the emails now. I mean, there's there's a lot of confusion from people. They don't really quite understand that they can use Face ID to get into apps and things like that. So there's that. There's that. Some people are just scared of it. They don't want to use their their face to log in. They prefer the, the fingerprint sensor. Um, face ID for scanning, this person saying, with the scan, face scan work automatically in the fingerprint scans place? Um, I like the fingerprint access and obviously the 11 doesn't have this. Does facial recognition also work to get into apps? Right. I mean, just See? a lot of confusion around a lot of it, but also some, I mean, there was one here. I was really hoping for fingerprint unlock on the new phones. Yeah, see? I want to easily unlock with my thumb. I guess I'll keep waiting. Yeah, like, see? You're going to be waiting for a long time, I think. Um, I mean, though there's rumors that they'll put it in the screen. Um yeah, but I, that's a weird rumor, and I wonder whether it would be an alternative to Face ID or like in addition to Face ID. Like, hey, if you want extra security, you could use both. Uh, yeah. When do I, you expect Apple Apple spelled wrong to offer in in screen fingerprint scanning? I have two phones, and I need to upgrade, but I'll wait. I don't like Face ID. See, yeah, see, you're 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 proving my theory. 
I no, really... I know, no, this has been a theory since last year. I mean, not a theory. I heard from, I mean, if I really go back, you know, I searched fingerprint scanner in my inbox here and I'm going all the way back to 2000. Well, these are probably from 2017. I organize all my reader emails into a file and try to. Um... And Apple's in a weird position where I don't know that you can make a fun commercial that let's just say you could come up with a script for a 30 second TV commercial that, that helps convince people that face ID is something they can trust and they will like. Um, the, the, the other problem that Apple has is they still sell older iPhones that have the touch ID. They can't really slag on touch ID because they still sell iPhone eight. And yeah, I mean, I recommended iPhone eight to these people. I don't think that's a bad recommendation, especially since like, you know, that they're going to continue to update with iOS for a number of years out on that. Why not? Did I I actually keep in the line? Like you should stockpile them if you're really that worried. (laughs) I don't think you did, but maybe. Yeah. Get a couple spares. spares I feel like this phone's going away. I mean, the other big thing, let me type in SE. So many people emailing about the smaller size. Yeah. Um, so many people. I mean, oh, yeah, look at ju- just this last couple of weeks of scrolling down and so many when I search for Essie in my inbox. Um, you know, yeah. well, they upgrade the smaller phone. I love the SE. My hands are small. I. That's you know, unfortunate. At- I, I Even I get that because I don't think that's just that has nothing to do with your nerdiness. It's. No. It's people, you know, and and there are definitely I know people who are, you know, super nerds and, you know, developers who just love the SE size for that one handedness and, you know, the compactness and size in your pocket and and et cetera, et cetera. The rumors that they might do an SE like mid cycle update this year don't are going to disappoint those people because the rumors are that it's going to be like an iPhone eight size device uh, with. I guess the A13 chip and probably a better camera and something. They should do that for those these people. They'll yeah, still but that's, sell. Quotes. I don't think that's small enough to please the SE people, though, right? Like so, like the. I iPhone- mean, this was an email from a. I'm quite tempted by the new 11, but it's huge. My priority is a better camera, and I've even toyed with getting a Samsung and leaving the Apple family. Um, should I just go to an eight, or should I wait till they may update the SE? I don't think Samsung I mean, makes are- a smaller phone, though. Samsung's phones are all huge. No, well, that the new. Um, Galaxy S10 E, is that what it's called? Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's about the same size as a 8. Yeah. Uh, and the pixel, the smaller pixels are, are smaller and definitely lighter. They're, I got to write this woman back. She's very yeah. nice. Uh, but I think the people who really... <laughs> so nice. People who really want that SE-sized phone, though, I think are out of luck. It's And, and it's I don't know what Apple's thinking on that front because it really does seem like demand is out there. And when the SE did come out two or three years ago, whenever that was, they were in short supply for months. And they, they're, you know, there was a quarterly you know analyst call where Tim Cook even admitted that uh, SE demand had outstripped their expectations and so they you know they were going to catch up soon but you know yes for the for the debut quarter you couldn't get one you know you had to order it and wait 10 days for it to show up so i bet they do i mean the the interesting thing you're saying about the eight makes sense maybe they could cut it down a little bit i mean I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think people there's there's definitely demand. I mean, whether there's enough demand to justify it on Apple's part, I don't know. But there are definitely people who really want 
something the physical size of an SE. I mean, I'm sure they'd love it if it went corner to corner with the display and you could get a bigger display by getting rid of the chin and forehead, but they really want that physical size that is the size basically of an iPhone 5, 5S SE. Well, for the 15 people in my inbox, they should make it. I mean, this is 15 in the last, since September 11th, have have written about the essay. Yeah, there you go. not that many, but it's, they're all like pretty lengthy emails. You know, Tim, they, Tim Cook, if you're listening, you can yeah. sell 15 of these things. 15 to these Wall Street Journal readers. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, all right. Let me take a break here and thank our third and final sponsor, and then we can go into the we can finish up without after worrying about a, another sponsor break. Hey, this is another company that I love. Longtime sponsor of the show, Fracture. Fracture is where you go with your photos, talking about photos of kids and dogs and stuff like that. Hey, don't, get them off your tiny little phone screen. Print them out. Put them, on, put them on something you can hang on the wall. And guess what? Fracture is the best way I know to do it. Because what Fracture does is they take you send them your photos. You pick a size. And they print your photos directly on glass. Corner to corner. You don't need a frame. It's just corner to corner, edge to edge, right on the glass. Looks like it's right on the surface of the glass. It's amazing. It looks so much better. I don't know how to explain it unless you've seen it in person, a fracture print. It looks so much better than a than a printout on a piece of paper that is put behind a piece of glass. I don't know how. I don't know why. I think it's a lot like the visual effect of when they first started putting the the screens laminated right on the on the iPhone and getting rid of that air gap between the touch and the glass and the pixels behind it. It it just looks amazing. These are great. They are fantastic gifts for anybody in your family. Everybody loves getting pictures. Uh, and everything you need to use them comes in the box. If you want to hang them on the wall, if you want to prop them up on a mantle or your desk or something like that, everything comes in the box. They are fantastic. Um, they are made, handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. source materials. Uh, and they are a green company, Fracture, operating a carbon neutral factory down there in Florida. Really great people, great company, and a fantastic product. Everybody I know who's ever gotten Fracture Prints is like, why did I wait so long? These are great. Why didn't you tell me about them? And I'm like, hey, if you listen to my show, I've been telling you about them for years. They are fantastic. Uh, they have a special offer for uh, listeners of the show. Go to Fracture.me. That's their website, Fracture.me. And uh, you can get a special discount on your first Fracture order you don't even need a code. You just go there. You get the discount on your first order. And here's what they want you to do. When you place an order at the very end, they ask a one-question survey, which is where did you hear about Fracture? They want you to fill in my show, the talk show. That way they know that their uh, sponsorship money is well spent. So go to Fracture.me. Go get some of your photos. Print it out. I really recommend it. I Do it. Well, not right now. Wait till the show's over. Nah. Uh, right now, I took so many good photos with the with the eleven, just testing it with my son and dog. That I'm I'm yeah. doing it. You know what's funny, and uh, I, I guess you you're and Neli's your son and Neli's daughter are about the same age. They're pretty close, right? They're like they're six months, a little bit more. Yeah. Well, they, we, we've when we've gotten them together to play, they don't yeah. have a ton of interest in each other just yet. Yeah, um, but soon enough that'll just, that'll seem indistinguishable. Right. They went swimming together this summer yeah. at my parents' house, and they, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he was spraying her with the hose, and she she seemed to like that. 
So my son is 15. Uh, it could be 16 in January. So, you know, it's a whole, a, more than a decade and a half difference almost. But uh, I was just, I just stumbled across a folder of um, old video that we had when my son was actually right around the age of your kids. He was uh, about a year and a half. Uh, and back then, 13 and a half years ago, my video camera was a mini DV camera. <laughs> So it's standard def, four to three, uh, low light performance was pretty crummy. Um, but it was a video. I have a bunch of them. I've gotten them digitized. So they're on my computer now and I don't have to worry about, you know, hooking up a mini DV thing. And, you know, you got to get it, but what a pain in the ass it is. It's like, I had to pay money to somebody to take these tapes and turn them into files that I could actually play, but I've got them, but oh my, I mean, it's not heartbreaking. I don't want to say that because it's like, you know, I've got, we've got hours and hours and hours of video of when Jonas was a baby and a toddler and a little kid and they're great. And, you know, it, it, just seeing them and hearing him say funny things is all that matters. But it's like, there's also, and we're all laughing. The three of us, you know, me and my wife and Jonas were watching this together and he's hilarious. Um, and, you know, you just have that nostalgic feeling that, that like, wow, this is, you know, like we're tearing up. My God, look at this kid. He's so tall and he's, you know, he's 10th grade and, you know, he's like a little man now. And here he was when he was a baby. And in some ways he was the same. And it's so great that we have all this video. Like when I was a kid, we didn't have video. It's great. But then there's the tech nerd part of me who's looking at this and thinking, oh, my God, I wish I had an iPhone back. Then. <laughs> this, look at this low, look at this low light performance. Oh, my God, this is absolutely horrible. Horrible. <laughs> and well, it's. I, yeah, I mean, I think about I, even I like do I I tried when he was first born to take like video every day and right. just realized like, okay, no normal person who has a job can do that. Um, but and even I, I go back and watch that stuff even now and I'm yeah. like, this was not a very good video. And I right. had a iPhone seven, right? Like yeah. it was two years ago. Well, let me t let me tell you a, a mini DV camera from. 2004 really doesn't hold up today uh, at least you got it digitized i mean that's yeah. another column i should write yeah for, that's a great for, column really in terms of try how to do that this year uh get them you know get them before they're even you know somebody will be the longer you go the the harder it's going to be to get older formats or older tape formats digitized um you yeah, know, and I did a piece a couple of years ago, which is still a very popular piece on how to do that with your old photos. And you can send them to a company and they'll just, you know, scan them all and, yeah. and do it. Um, the other thing we have a lot of clips of, and we didn't have to digitize them because they were digitized, but they're Jonas, you know, in between that mini DV era and then before iPhones became great consumer video devices was that flip camera era. Oh, yeah. Which was, in hindsight, a weird blip technology-wise. But we, you know, we had a couple of these flips, and I'd buy a new one. It was like the iPhone of the time for video because it was like a year later you could get one that shot HD right. instead of SD and had better low light and stuff. So we have tons of like flip camera footage of them too because it was a great thing to just throw in your pocket and going yeah. about your day and something cute happens and you can take a clip. But again, technically speaking, looking at that footage now, it is <laughs> – it it's is crap. It's yeah. very crude. It is extraordinarily crude. So it's, God, it's that, that poor company. Yeah. Oh, so what I, I remember having two of those and I would bring them to, I think that's probably the, one of the iPhone events. And then even the um, early Android phone events and I would shoot 
video on there and side, you know, load it onto my computer and edited it real quick and uploaded to Engadget. Yeah. Well, it's absolutely, it's, it's just astounding to think about, you know, a couple of I know Bill Gates has been credited with it and I don't know if it's original to him, but I'll give credit to Bill, good old Bill Gates, but something to the effect of we as a, as human beings, it, it always overestimate what we can do technology wise year over year and always underestimate the profound changes that happen after a decade. Yep. You know, every 10 years, it's like, wow, that it's, it's just astounding. And every year, you know, like when the new iPhones come out, we're like, ah, uh, this isn't that exciting from last year's phones. But then all of a sudden you do that. You have like you have one of those updates every year for 10 years. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, that thing was a piece of crap 10 years ago. No, I mean, one of the pieces that I probably loved working on the most in the last five, five years was the 10th anniversary of the iPhone. I tried to live with the original iPhone for a day. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, first of all, I put in a, a SIM card. It didn't have I used 2G service <laughs> um, on that original iPhone on T-Mobile. And it, it was that was for me like eye opening. It was like <laughs> you if even if everything was the same. Yeah. But you had 2G service. Gosh, like that that to me, just like, remember how slow it was? You can't even remember how slow it is. We blocked it out. Right. When you had a very strong 2G signal, it would take a, like a minute and a half to load a web page. And that's you not, have that not, blue, yeah. the blue bar, the blue highlight in the in the in the top of the Safari browser trying to right. load. And you just like, maybe it's going to load today, even get to the bot, even get to the end and nothing would show up. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 I mean, camera quality. Even in the 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 piece that I did for the upgraders, the the review this year, I took some shots with the 6s and comparing that low light shot. There's a there's a picture in the in the review, both in the video and in the uh, review. The 6s low light shot to the 11 is is amazing. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, video difference is night and day. It's video it, difference even over last year is is night and day. I mean, yeah. I definitely did. I do poke hard at them in the video. The beginning of the video is kind of like. You know, it's still not a pro camera. You know, I, right. I kind of like I had a lot of ideas on how to approach this video. And one of the ideas was like, let's shoot a pro movie with this camera. And I started shooting with it. And I was like, this still looks like an iPhone. Um, but it's it's still like put them side by side with a 10S and it, and it is far better. In talented hands, you know, like Apple paid those guys to do that black and white movie that they showed during the event, you know, and when they, they talked to the guys talking about the filmic app that can shoot simultaneous footage from two of the cameras at once so that you could get like if you're doing an interview you could get a close-up and a wide shot of your subject using just the one camera in in the hands of a pro people are getting astounding results out of iphone cameras i mean steven soderbergh has shot two feature films using iphones as the camera which and they look they look more like real movies they don't look like you know, like the Blair Witch Project, where it's supposed to look like it was shot on a consumer camera. They look like movies, um, but it's you got to have you got to put a lot of work into it. And I thought your footage of the uh, the nights at the Renaissance Fair. Here's footage from a, the real pro camera we're using to shoot this video, and here's the footage from the iPhone 11 camera. It was fair. I mean, it certainly it is still amazing for a camera, a, a cell phone camera, but. Surprise, surprise, shooting with a truly professional $1,000, multi-thousand dollar camera setup is still going to get better results. 
Yeah, and and I I should also say, and I, we were thinking about a different review where I was like, I would have to be very clear to say I'm not a pro photographer. I can right. you know think about a, a shot maybe better than the average person, but. I still don't think of shots or setting up shots or way to light shots like a, like a pro. So, um, uh, are you, are, did you, what, what made you pick the Renaissance fair as a, as a, uh, as a destination for this? Are you a Renaissance fair person or I'm definitely, I had never been to the Renaissance fair before. And now I just want to quit my job and go live with the Renaissance fair folk that travel around the country. Cause it was just mind blowing to me, but the way I I had a completely separate idea that I tried to really orchestrate. And um, I have this new producer. His name is Kenny. He's so creative. I'm like, I've met my creative match and he just wants to push me to do some even more crazy things, which I'm super excited about. So we had this idea. We were trying to do it. We're trying to get together on Saturday. We had all these things set up to shoot this other video idea and it just completely fell apart. Hmm. And I just started doing some searches for, you know, places where where photographers want to go in, in right. the New York area. And this came up as a place where they had a photo contest every year. And I just said, we're going to the Renaissance Fair. We're going to shoot there all day. We're going to make a video about it because I'm sure these people are just going to be amazing to shoot photos yeah. and video of. Yeah. And I've actually never turned around a video with so little idea of what it was going to be <laughs> in so little time before. Um, yeah, we did it all in like 48, less than 48 hours. That's, so that's was, interesting that it was a plan B because it was a very, I, I, I'm not just saying it cause you're on my show. I thought it was a very inter- entertaining video and a good, uh, good camera tests. It was cause there were wide angle, super ultra wide angle things you could shoot. And then all sorts of interesting people to shoot. And you, there was even like a tent where you took a couple of the people to sh- try out the portrait mode in low light, uh, which turned out great. And uh, no, I, I can't believe that that was plan B because it, yeah. it came across. And I was good. very sad. Like I was like distraught on Saturday. I mean, this is like, not only have this like pressure of writing these reviews, as you know, very well, but I'm like, I want to do something creative. I always like want to be, you know, do something a little bit different in the videos than other people are going to do. And like, it all fell apart on Saturday. And I was like, <laughs> you know, just so devastated. And I was like, I'm not, I cannot go on. I cannot go on. And then the Renaissance woman got back to me and I was like, Okay, this is you know it's meant to be. We're gonna. I'm meant to spend Sunday, <laughs> all day Sunday, at a Renaissance fair. Not writing my review, but playing with cameras in the Renaissance fair and meeting right. the Queen. And so I stayed up all day, and then I stayed up all night Sunday writing. It was, right. Well, and me- um, meanwhile, you have two column, two two reviews that you're planning to do for Tuesday morning. <laughs> I, I stayed up like pretty much all day Sunday and, uh-huh. and even even Monday morning, my editor's like, where's the other piece that you wanted to write? I was like, I haven't written it yet. He's like, I think that's going to be I mean, Wilson has uh, been working with him for five years now. Wilson Rothman is just an incredible editor. And he just was like, sit down, write your thoughts. I really think that story that you're that you've been talking about is the one to write. And I wrote it down on, on Monday and he was like, OK, this is good. Let's print it both on Tuesday morning. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it must be kind of lonely, though, for you. It, I kind of think about you sometimes in this in this process of you when you're doing this. Like I texted you at some point saying, yeah. you know, how are you doing or whatever. But you must get like, do you get lonely when you're writing these? Uh, no, maybe. I don't know. I text you and Panzerino with questions uh, or Neelai, you know, so that I know the other people who have phones and we can talk about it. Like, didn't you and I uh do memojis when they first came out because it's like who are if you're one of the only people outside apple who has a phone who can do it who who are you testing it with like right you, you know so i've got you know i've got friends and i don't have colleagues at daring fireball but i've got 
friends in the racket that I can. Yeah. Do. So I don't feel lonely about it. I, yeah. I you know, I mean, it, it, you obviously like what always strikes me is actually like your your pieces. There's like they're just as as simple as they are, right? And and their your site is so simple. Though I really appreciated the photos this time. Um, there's so much still creative work that goes into your writing, right? There's still so much um, that you that you have to structure and think about as you write those reviews. And I read them very carefully. And I said, like, this is not just like a first draft of something. I mean, if it is, then you're an incredible writer and you don't you know, need an editor. Um, I mean, I still think you're a, a very an incredible writer. But, um, you know, having that process of kind of going back and forth over text with somebody uh, is a... I don't know. It's important to me. Yeah. I don't have that. Um, yeah. Uh, but so I, what I is your process? Like, do you, do you, you write it and you kind of then go back and read it and move some things around or delete some sentences or my process is crazy. And I think that, you know, hopefully the end result reads as very, uh, the opposite of scattershot, you know, like my, my intended writing style is to come across as very precise and organized, but my process is the complete opposite. My pr- remember, do you ever watch 60 minutes when Andy Rooney was on? Uh, I've, I've watched episodes. Yeah. But yeah. his office was at, at, like, he had like 40 years of junk in his office, like piles of paper. Like my office is actually a mess too, but, uh, my process is like Andy Rooney's desk. I should see if I can find a picture of it and put it in the show notes, but I, it's, it's actually crazy. It doesn't even make any sense. I keep notes. I carry like a little field notes notebook with me wherever I go. And, you know, in my back pocket, little, little pocket notebook that fits in the back pocket. I take notes in there. Uh, I keep notes in my iPhone. The, the, you know, I'll make a new note for the review and keep notes in my iPhone in the notes app. And then I have like a larger notebook, you know, maybe, you know, I forget what size it is, but, um, you know, more like an iPad mini size notebook. And I keep notes in there. That's the one I usually use to take notes during events. So I've got like notes in two different note physical notebooks, notes in the notes app. <laughs> and they're they're somewhat organized by topic, like camera, battery, whatever. But I just have this jumble of notes in three different sources. And then I just sit there and sort of think about it. And then usually, and you know, there's always a moment of panic where it's like, I don't have an angle on this. Like I can't just publish a bunch of bullet points. I've, you know, what's the, what's the story. And then at some point it comes to me, but it's, it's the pressure of the deadline that squeezes it out. Like I, my all nighter is the night before the embargo. And that's why like, so I usually don't hit the embargo. (laughs) Like I've, I, uh, I did for the watch and I, and my, uh, the iPhone, I think I got up at about, it, it was 6 a.m. Eastern was when the embargo dropped. I think mine came out at like nine. So I was like three hours late. But you, it probably looked to most people like I hit it because who's reading, who is reading the reviews at six in the morning on the East, let alone three on the West Coast. So I came close. Um, but it just comes to me. I don't know. There's usually, you know, eventually I, I panic over the weekend. Like Sunday was, I was, I was really in despair about it because I just, I was like, I should, you know, and every year I think, you know, every time I do these reviews, I think I should get started early and then I won't have to stay up all night. <laughs> and I just couldn't think of an angle. I couldn't think of a way to start. Yeah. That's, I mean, usually like, that's what I said this year. I was like, I can't write two pieces. Writing yeah. two pieces is harder than writing one long one. Cause I've got to think of two ways to start. Yeah. Two leads is harder than one. The other and the other thing this year was I went back and I had this sense of deja vu 
that, hey, I think that what uh, this, the angle I'm thinking of here feels like what I wrote last year. And I read my review from last year and I was like, shit, this is exactly what, <laughs> what I wanted to say this year. I, 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 I even used the lead I wanted to use, which was talking. I used this last year with the 10S that the, uh, one of the years when Phil Schiller was on the talk show at WWDC, I asked him whether he's, you know, that it seems to me, and this was like four or five years ago, maybe like four years ago. And, and I said, you know, the camera really seems like an area of intense interest at Apple. You guys, the iPhone camera is getting better. It, it seems like one, every year, it seems like that's a main area of interest. Do you see Apple as a camera company, like one of the leading, if not the leading? And and before I even got to the end of the question, he interrupted me on stage and just said, the, like (laughs) Phil Schiller sees Apple as the leading camera company in the world. And it was emphatic. And I know Phil enough and I know he's competitive and I know that he's very serious about this stuff in, you know, like his reputation within Apple is he's a very serious, you know, person and you better be on your A game when you have a meeting with Phil on anything. But his onstage demeanor is friendly and, and his onstage demeanor when he's been on my show is very funny and he's very loose and casual. And, you know, it, it's him, you know, and he's, he's just a natural at it. It's just funny because he doesn't do a lot of public stuff, but he, he comes on my show and it's like, it seems as though he does people's live podcasts every week. He's so natural at it. But when he said that the, that the, like Apple is the leading camera company, it actually took me aback because he got like, he, he all of a sudden it was like a, a shark smelling blood in the water. Like I, I just, it just really was like the, it's like one of the most memorable moments of me doing anything live on stage in my life because it was so emphatic. And I used it as my lead last year to emphasize how serious Apple is as a camera company. And then that's what I wanted to write this year. I was like, I blew it. I used my lead last year. And so I just went, this was the year to do it. Well, I went meta. So I just went (laughs) meta and just referenced the fact that I, you know, this is how I started my column last year. And, and, you know, you could say the same thing this year and just fill in the new phone names, you know, that it's another. And then once I had that and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go meta and just reference that I, I wrote about the camera last year. I'm going to write about the camera this year. Then as soon as I had, that's the other thing about my writing style for these, even these big reviews, I need to have my lead first. I, I can't, I cannot write the middle section I can't move on. I, cannot, I can't move on. I have to have the beginning. I and, and then once I have the beginning, it's all of a sudden, it's like I've pedaled my bike up the steep hill and now I'm just going downhill and everything pours out after it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. But in theory, in theory, somebody who is less, uh, I was going to say crazy, but uh, I don't know, but just uh, stubborn. I just it's just a stubborn writing trait that if I don't have the lead, I can't go on. In theory, I should be able to say write the entire camera section. I, I like I knew what I was gonna show, I knew which pictures I wanted to look through of all the ones I did. I could have written that before I had the lead, but I couldn't. I, I, I could mm-hmm. I, I just personally couldn't bring myself to do it. I'm the same way. I'm uh, the same way. Like I can't look past it. I'm just like I've gotta get this, I've been have to be okay with it, and then the rest of the piece will write itself. Yeah. So if I have the lead, then I can go. And if, and if I don't have a lead, I just sit there and stare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, iOS 13. What a weird, weird, weird 
I, I don't even know where to start. It's just such a weird release that. So what? What's your take? Why did they have to release thirteen before thirteen dot one, and why didn't thirteen dot one just become thirteen and release it two days later? So four days later. I I wish that I had better sources to tell me, and I don't. And sometimes you know I know people at Apple, and they can tell me things, and I can say little birdie said something. I don't have any little birdies on this. The best that I can put together is there's a couple of factors. So one of them is carrier certification. And with the new phones and they, you know, the new iPhones are debuting around the world, not just in the US, and all the carriers have some kind of specific, you know, certification of operating systems, etc. Um they need to have whatever is going to ship out of the factory on the brand new phones. They need to have that in the carrier's hands at least weeks in advance. So it probably needs to be locked down at the end of August at the very least, probably like mid August, um, somewhere around there. And iOS 13 was just buggier than most of these uh, OS releases over the last few years. Certainly iOS 12, iOS 12 was like remarkably unbuggy. It was really, even the betas last summer were remarkably stable. I mean, they were like indistinguishable from regular iOS releases for the most part. Uh, iOS 13 was sort of the opposite, especially on the iCloud front. iCloud changes in particular were really buggy, and people who were using them on their main phones all summer really got bit sometimes by syncing problems and lost data. So they ha- I, I think part of it is they had to lock down 13.0 to come out of the f- box when you unload your new iPhone when it comes uh, early for this carrier certification. Um. Uh, but it's it truly is buggy. I mean, did you encounter a bunch of bugs? Yeah, I wrote a short piece yeah. yesterday saying that you know most people should just wait till thirteen yeah. one on yeah. on Tuesday. Um, yeah, I mean, my big things. I mean, I I encountered. I had been using uh, thirteen. I don't know. It wasn't the GM release, but whatever the other mm-hmm. release on my XR for a while right. because I was testing sign in with Apple. Right. Right. And I was having right. a ton of just like small bugs and messages. Yeah. Messages. Uh, small... Messages really was buggy. Has been buggy for me. Yeah. Like, the, have you seen this flickering thing? And then yep. sometimes the cursor gets stuck. Yeah. I've seen the flickering thing. And the one for me that I hit a couple times is the keyboard just disappears. Yeah. I had that too. Yeah. I had that too. But, but it's so, so in other words, where the keyboard should be on screen and messages is just a white rectangle. And it, you can't, st- and it, but you can still type. So like, it's like when you hit where the S key is, you get an S, but you can't see it. So it is, it's unusable and force quitting and relaunching tends to fix it. I've um, had the same kind of thing, but with the cur- I've, I've I've had the keyboard issue, I think on the 10R, but on the iPhones, I've had the cursor just get stuck in the middle of the type in the, in the text box. Yeah. And you can still type like, the, oh, the, it saw, just get, but the cursor is just stuck there. I saw that once. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's something I've seen. I do a lot of a fair amount of text editing in Safari because, um, if I want to update daring fireball, I don't really post from my phone much, uh, sometimes short pieces, but if somebody sends me a typo and I want to fix a typo, um, I, I'd log it into the CMS. I log in through Safari. I don't have an app for it. I just go in through Safari. And what I usually do is, um, if it's a long piece, right, like my iPhone review, I don't want to scroll to find where this is. I'll just search for it. You can go to the share menu and find on page, and I'll type the word that I misspelled or the missing word, and then it finds it, and then I 
you know, select it and fix the typo and hit save and it goes on. I, for some reason in Safari on 13.0, when you use the find feature, you, you can't see what you're typing. You know how I like, get highlights in yellow instead of selecting it. It's like highlighted in yellow. Here's if I search for Joanna and here's the match and Joanna is highlighted in yellow. If you tap on it, it's like you type and it is typing and it, if you hit save, whatever you type is there, but you can't see it. It doesn't reflect on screen, which is not helpful. Hmm. <laughs> There's just all sorts of little bugs like that. Anyway, that's 13. Yeah, I, 13. Mean, and, I mean, the big one is that just like apps are randomly crashing. Yeah, well, for me. And the, and the camera app on the on the 11, or maybe it was the 11 Pro. I mean, both has been just um, just small little things opening up to the black screen, yeah. not being able to hit the shutter button sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and editing photos sometimes, you know, because they added a lot of editing features. They've they added um, it's so a, many features in there. Yeah. Like it's, you know, stuff like adjusting brightness and contrast and stuff like that. And they added all of those same features for video, which is all brand new to iOS 13. So you can apply their filters, you know, like the dramatic filter and the vivid filter. You can apply it all to video and it applies live and you can rotate video. So like if you shoot a video that's two two degrees off you know, the horizon, you can rotate it to fix that. Uh, which is, I actually also, haven't tried that. Well, it's going to crash if you're on 13. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got it to lock up. I thought maybe it actually corrupted the video file. I was playing with it and it just went green. The video clip just turned completely hundred percent corner to corner green pixels. <laughs> You know, which is, I think is like often a test pattern, you know, like for like video that isn't, you know, hasn't started yet. It was just a complete, I thought, oh my God, I think it just corrupted the video. Uh, Force quit, went back in and there, it was still there. The video clip was fine, but all my edits were lost. Um, Anyway, it's buggy. It's not, it's not crashing, but I had no idea this Um, was here. This is awesome. Yeah. Well, it was crashing for me. I don't know. But yeah, we'll see. Let's see. A lot of this stuff is hard to reproduce, too. And I can see why maybe they're hard bugs to fix, because you think like and then all of a sudden I'm like making a list of bugs and I'm like, okay, I'm going to restart the phone and do the same thing again. And this time it didn't crash or this time it worked. I was like, wow, the turning of the video is kind of like just a thing you did not think you needed. No, but uh, I do, because it turns out uh, I have a very poor sense of what's level. <laughs> I mean, so, I just flipped this one. Like I shot yeah. of, of Noah last night. I had no idea that like it now it's completely, it's really straight now. Yeah. It's, I mean, until he like slams into me and the phone falls, but it's, it's a great feature. It's also, you know, when it's a really great feature too, is when like something random happens out on the street, you know, like, and you're like, Ooh, I got to capture this on video. Like a, you know, some kind of incident or something. And you just quick whip out your phone and get to the camera as quick as you can. It's like the last thing you're thinking of is, is this level and now you can fix it. So it's a great feature. Um, anyway, back to why didn't they, why did they ship 13.0? So I think they needed to ship it because it was carrier certified. Uh, and here's the X factor. I, Dieter Bone and I were going back and forth in this yesterday because my first thought was if they moved up the 13.1 ship date from September 30th, which is what they told us weeks, you know, two weeks ago, to all the way to next Tuesday, the 24th, which they just announced yesterday, uh, if it's going to come out five days later and and it should be more stable, why not just have everybody wait for that? Um, one of the factors that has to come into play is that the new Apple watches require iOS 13. So if you get a series five Apple watch, 
your paired iPhone has to be on iOS 13. It it it's just you know that's just the way Apple ties new hardware to the latest OS. And so if they were going to start shipping the watches today, the twentieth, they had to ship iOS 13. Point oh, so that people who get a watch can actually set it up. Like it would be no fun if you got like you know, ding dong, UPS comes. Here's your new Series Five Apple Watch. You just spent a couple hundred bucks on. Uh, please keep it in the box for five days until iOS thirteen point one comes out. Right? I, I guess that's why. I don't know, but my my advice to everybody is just wait for thirteen point one. I know that people want to play the Apple Arcade, and there's you know, and if you really have to, or if you're willing to, you know, treat it as a beta. If you were willing to put a beta on your phone, then you might as well install thirteen point zero. But know that it's effectively beta quality. Yeah, I had a lot of you know what I consider nerd Twitter users, you know, kind of yelling at me yesterday, saying, "How? Why are you saying that? I put it on my phone. It's fine." It's like. You probably had the beta. Like my readers are not the people that had the beta. They're going to get this. They're going to wonder why the camera doesn't, you know, is slow or whatever. You know, like just it's four days, four days. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I I don't know, and I haven't installed it on. I have an older phone that had the I was testing the 13 betas on, but I never put it because the betas never seemed fully baked to me all summer long. I never put it on my regular day-to-day iPhone. My my and my personal iPhone 10s still has iOS 12.4.1 or whatever the latest 12.4 version is. Still has because I just I don't want to put 13 on it. Um, and I still like having it to compare. Like, hey, what's new from iOS 12 to iOS 13? Um, but uh, I I don't I I can only assume that internally at Apple. Their focus with this 13.0 release was very specifically on the new iPhones, right? Because they're the ones that have to have it. And so I can only – my guess, I can't prove it. My guess is it's least buggy on the iPhone 11s because they're the ones that they were focused – yeah. But what a weird release. I mean the fact that 13.1 not 13.0.1 like a minor bug fix but like a pretty serious – bug fix and feature additions, right? Like the shared folders are shipping. There's a, a whole bunch of, of the features of iOS 13 are shipping too, five days later, which is kind of nuts. Right. The big, I, I thought they'd hold those for another release. Um, but when I spoke to Apple yesterday, they're like, no, you know, directional um, airdrop is going to be in there. Yeah. And the audio, the audio sharing for AirPods is going to be in there. Yeah, and uh, the shared folders. I forget what else. There's a couple others, but so, there's still other stuff that is coming later. Like the deep focus camera feature is still right. coming. I presume thirteen point two. You know, probably like late October, maybe November, or something like that. But uh, you know, there's still other stuff that's coming. But a lot of stuff is coming Tuesday. I I, I worry, and it, it'll be interesting to see. And I, you know, it'll give us stuff to write about if thirteen point one is still relatively buggy compared to what we should expect from a non-beta release of the os some of my developer friends are still a little skeptical that 13.1 is in good shape yeah i mean like it's a good it's a good release too it's i I like that it doesn't actually have that many new features and it kind of concentrates on some of the things that people have wanted or have i mean dark mode i guess being the biggest one but um for me, the sign-in with Apple, so I'm super excited about that. Yeah. have you? What have you been able to test that with? 
Um, so Apple gave me or some of the developers gave me access to some of the first apps that are going to use it. Admittedly, they're very small apps. Um, I use the bird scooter app. I used the mm. life cake, the life cake photo sharing app. Um, but it was it was just interesting to see the onboarding experience, the experience of going in to hide your email, going in, in to actually hide your name. Um, and it's all very, very quick. And even better, it's like it, it just is very seamless to log into all of these apps using Face ID yeah. or whatever other way you've set up, uh, you know, a second form of authentication on the iPhone. Um, yeah, my, you know, I wrote this in the piece and, and did this in the video. I think there's so many privacy benefits i just really it seems from speaking to some developers you certainly they're going to be sort of forced into this by apple but they definitely don't seem eager to to use it yeah i wonder Um, why like i i don't understand why developers are not eager to use it but i I can see why the marketing people at companies that want to have your real you know the people's real email address so they can send them all sorts of email right to their real email want that but I'm not sure why developers are so loath to do it. I guess it's just like, ah, because you're just adding, you know, because they're not going to get rid of the sign-in with Facebook. They're going to add the sign-in with Apple. And now it's just one more thing to to keep working. Yeah, I mean, it's that. I think um, one of the interesting responses I heard was from Tinder, which was saying they're more worried about how they can figure can can not have anonymous users hmm. um, and having people who abuse the system and go back and make new accounts when they're trying to either abuse the system or whatnot. Right. Um, and how do they keep track of those people right. when they don't have any information about them? Right. Um, so those are some small, some smaller details that they seem to be trying to work out with developers. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they all certainly just just don't get as much information uh, as if you're logging in with Facebook. I mean, Facebook, I had gone back and looked and talked a lot about this in the video. Um, you go back and you look and you're like, you didn't even realize what kind of info you were giving to to some of these app developers. And, you know, it's there in small writing, but everything's turned on default. So, you know, everything from birthdays to likes to photos, just <laughs> it's not something you thought about. No, it really... <laughs> 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 Why in the world would they share your likes? Like it's just it's crazy. I don't know. Likes, <laughs> or birthday. Your birthday. I mean, there's a whole list of things. Like, right. I mean, like I guess because they want to wish you a happy birthday, but there's a lot of other stuff they could do with that. I mean, <laughs> it's like they're one step away from sharing the last four digits of your social security number. <laughs> like everything yeah. that they would need to like impersonate you. I love what we did, but you should watch the video. We hired these uh, comedians and we just let them sort of riff on like what Facebook would need to get you in the door. We should do this video that I did. And uh, they, the, the woman is just hilarious. She's like, do you have any water birth photos? We'd like to see those. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. I will look for it. Uh, all right. I, I guess that's a wrap. I mean, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I mean, that's a long show, right? Are we over two hours? We can't go under two hours. Oh, yeah, we're over. Two we're hours. over two hours. Yeah, I... I only set aside this amount of time for you yeah. two times a year. <laughs> well, I enjoy it very much. I enjoy uh, it too. No, and it's you know a good time of the year. I I know I we can't I cannot let you go. Thank God I thought of this. Cannot let you go. I saw on Twitter the other day that you <laughs> you were in the Apple Store with your MacBook. Yes, it's so funny, John. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. It's so funny that during this week where I needed to write, I was like, I finally cannot take it any longer. So how, what was the, so you took your MacBook Air in to get the keyboard swapped? 
Yeah, you know, I wrote the the big piece, and it was in when did I write it? In April. Were you? Was that when you were on my show, or were you on before that? Because by the way, I, I uh, you know what, you were on before, so you're. Can you tell people for those who don't remember the the gimmick uh, the gimmick of your column on the MacBook keyboards? Actually, you know what? I had told you I was writing this piece. We right. saw each other in New York, and I told right. you I'm I got to write something. I'm planning something big. Um, so in March of this year, in March, I did a piece on how my butter my MacBook Air butterfly keyboard, the Air that I had been bought from the company in 2018, the one the Air that I recommended, right. uh, and was so happy to. I think that was the last time I was on the show. I talked about my right. review of the Air. Yeah, the Retina, um, the Retina MacBook Air that that the whole world had been waiting for for a couple of years. Yeah, and I fell in love with it, and I recommended the shit out of it, and so. I would say it was probably in early March, end of February, the keyboard just started to go. Like certain keys were sticking, they were double pressing, and I just couldn't believe it. So I started doing some research and I was like, this is happening again. This is happening again. I contacted lots of people who had the issues. I tried to get in touch with Apple engineers who ended up ratting on me and went to Apple PR. I mean, I was really trying to dig into this. And... You know, I just had this idea. I'm going to write this column of the way my keyboard's writing, and that's with missing letters. Uh, and how, so, <laughs> but it was so brilliant because it wasn't just that you wrote it with misspellings and missing letters. There, there was JavaScript code and sliders where the reader could uh, adjust it. <laughs> like, how did yeah. you go about that? How did you make I, that happen? I, I well, I told Wilson, my editor, he's like, okay, it sounds like an idea. I don't know, Joanna. Typically, he says these things to me, just knowing like, I'll figure out a way and come back soon with a better idea. And I went over to our graphics desk. And I said, guys, I just I want to remove the ease. <laughs> I want to remove the ease from my 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 column. But if I do it, then no one will be able to read it. So we need a way to like, rem- you know, they get to the page, there's no ease, maybe there's no R's. And they can't read it. But then we let them turn on the E's and the R's. And the guy was like, oh, I'll look around. I'll see if I can find somebody to do it. Elliot Bentley works on our graphics desk. And uh, he's like, nobody can do this, but I want to do it. It sounds hilarious. And so he just coded up this page. And then he's like, and I also told him that there were these double presses. And he's like, let's put that in too. Let's, let's you know, have give people that option too. Um, and I mean, I got, I did hear from a lot of people who didn't realize they could turn them on. And they said, you know, this is, yeah. you know, a bullshit article. I can't read it. How am I supposed to read it? And I tell people that you could turn it on. But um yeah, so then after that, a month later, I like to think I take some credit, not all the credit. And I also take your uh, piece or linking to me as as some credit. You know, Apple said, okay, we got to do something about this. And they improved the amount of time to repair in stores. They rolled out the, you know, th- generation 3.5. They, you know, they're, they, they knew this was a big PR disaster. And so I sort of said, okay, I'm going to get it replaced. But like, I just was dragging my feet on it. I don't know why. Um, I also installed this unshaky uh, app extension on my MacBook, and it kind of got rid of the double presses. So I was right. like, okay, I can live with it. And then end of summer, I was like, I can't live with this anymore. So I need to get this fixed by the time I go to the Apple event. I went to the store, the the uh, Wall Street store here in, the, in in New York, and they said they didn't have the, the part. <laughs> 
So I really, really felt like I affected much change. And also, it's like amazing. I go in and they, they have no idea who I am, right? So they're like, oh, how do you know it's broken? Well, I was going to ask if you thought you got recognized. Sometimes no. sometimes I do at an Apple store and sometimes I don't. I have been recognized at Apple stores. Like two yeah. years ago, I did this piece on iCloud and I just snuck into the iCloud um, like learning session, you know, and, yeah. the, and the guy just said to me, he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm learning about iCloud. And he's like, I doubt it. And I was like, no, no, I'm I'm here just learning about iCloud. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but no, they had no idea. And it's just, fun, you know, like I play along and I don't want to tell them who I am. And I don't want right. to like, you know, I'm just like, oh, I, I'm just pretty sure it's broken. Um, you know, I, well, I'm I, actually, I, I'm pretty I, positive. I'm pretty positive it needs to be replaced. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we have to go look. And I was like, if you look in my records, I was here back in March. You guys, you know, replaced one or two keys. This thing needs to be replaced. Okay, we got to look at it. And then they went in the back and they said, we're sorry, we don't have the the part here. We got to order it. That's going to take a week. So bring, you know, we can hold on to it. And I said, okay, well, uh, I'll bring it back when you have the part. And I came back another time, dropped it off and then took about 48 hours for them to swap it out. And then finally got it back this week. Um, I Can I tell you, I, I cannot believe I almost let you get off the show without telling you this. I, I do have little birdies sometimes. And one of the things that I heard was the... Was it July where they came out with new hardware for like the back to school season with new MacBooks? And it was the like the air got rejiggered, but it still has the same CPU and everything. They really just updated it so that it ships like somebody who bought a new air in August would get the one with the new 3.5 gen keyboard. Um, can I, I, I know for a fact that your column was influential in that. In that Apple rejiggered their hardware schedule to get that half generation hardware thing out. I, I, I don't think that the explanation was, well, because of this one column from Joanna Stern in the Wall Street Journal, we need to do this. But it was like maybe the straw that broke the camel's back. Like it, internally, your column was a let's yeah. actually change our plans. This is that's how bad this is how bad it's gotten. We actually need to change our plans because Apple doesn't really do half gen updates on MacBooks anymore. And back in the day, they they would be updated for random components here and there. But for the most part now, they're more sweeping updates. Uh, and your column in particular was like a, this got escalated to the highest es- you know levels of the company and like, this is bad. Yeah. And, and I actually... The column, look, it was it was a clever way to do it. I did not think it would get as much attention as it would until I had the statement from Apple, which was sorry. Yeah. And I I got I got that statement in my email and I just jumped up and down. You know, I was like, they're fucking saying they're sorry. Like, you know, that's where I kind of knew that this was and. I mean, I, I known from my reporting, from talking to so many people and seeing that this was happening again on this specific model. I mean, I, I made a spreadsheet of 20 people at least that I had been emailing back and forth with asking what letters were what were breaking. I mean, they're like, I actually did true reporting to figure yeah. out that this was really happening. Um, well, but- and, and, and the, the hell of it is really that it wasn't random. It really was seemingly, for the most part, based on usage. So the most likely keys to to have problems with the ones you use the most. Like like your your gimmick of the column of having the ease disappear wasn't uh just to make it 
as unreadable as possible. It was fair. That's partly what made the column so powerful is that the E's and R's are and the space bars are among the most common keys to have problems because it seemingly is usage based that it's by hitting the E key more frequently than every other alphabet letter on the keyboard that it caused the problem. So it the fact that it that it was scathing and really made Apple and the keyboards look bad is one thing. But the thing that really, to me, resonated is that it was fair. Yeah. And I still to this day, I would love some actual technical explanation from Apple what's going on with these, because, you know, they thought they fixed it with the the. I like to call it the key, the condom, you know, they put the, <laughs> the, the condom on the top. They, you, they, they thought that was going to fix it. And they still just have yeah. not really fully explained what's happening yeah. here. And it's just like, are these things too delicate? I, you know, I've only so many times I can speak to engineers yeah. and, and I and, fix it about what, what they think is, is right. wrong. And what's their explanation? They say something to the effect of that they have made a material change whatever that means. And that could mean like multiple things. Like does that mean you're using a different material to manufacture certain components? Or do you mean material in the other sense where it's like a meaningful change? And it's like, no, no, I I think they actually mean material, like physical something. (laughs) They did clarify for that, that for me off the record that yes, we mean that there are parts of the keyboard that are using a different material in the manufacturing process that should be more durable. And it seems to me that it, it anecdotally that it is like, I still don't think it's great. I think that I really do think that my belief is that they're, I don't know if it's going to happen later this year or next year or whatever, but that there will be a new keyboard design in MacBooks and we're yeah, all, this thing's done. You know, talk about uh, <laughs> when <laughs> when we in the audience will, might applaud. Oh, what? I will. I will stand up. <laughs> I will stand up. A standing ovation. Well, let's sit. I, let's let's try I mean, to. I'll try to sit next to you. We, we'll we'll be our own little standing ovation. And I have to, you know, like, please <laughs> let's storm tell, the stage. Tell my bosses at the Wall Street Journal I got up and clapped. Whoa. I mean, really. Well, let's just get up and go to run down the aisle and storm the stage, <laughs> <laughs> give, give out hugs. <laughs> but I really do think it's going to happen, and I really do think, though, in the meantime, as a stopgap measure, this 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 three three point five gen hardware update really was. I know it was influenced by your column because it was just so mm. devastating. And I mentioned it this week. I mean, I'm it, sure I'll win the Pulitzer for this. That it's, you know, it's it's the holy grail of a of column writing, right? That your column has it has has an effect on the world, right? It's, I, <laughs> it's it absolutely does, it, right? I mean, it's it, what you want, and sometimes the best way to do it isn't to be literal. Like if you had just written that column straightforward and said written a column that said, hey, my E's and R's don't work sometimes, and sometimes I get double letters, it would not have had the effect that the, 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 you know, the gimmick had, right? It's Yeah, and like, honestly, for me, it was just like, I, I started writing, and I was like, people won't be able to read this, but this is how <laughs> it's really writing for how, me. How I mean, did it run in print? We just read that, I think the first, the first graph, and then we just said, you know, okay. We, yeah. we recorrected it in the, the graph down had it. Right. Um, and then we had the headline. I mean, the headline, too, was yeah. huge. That was also that was that was totally uh, uh, you know, I just, that what, was the way I wrote the headline. It what was, was the headline? It, all the E's were missing. Oh, right. So it's like Apple with no E still <laughs> right. hasn't fixed. No E MacBook and keyboard has no E. Oh, right. and no R. Right. Oh, wait, no. We actually missed the R in the. <laughs> whoops. 
Well, I'm looking at it now. Um, it was. It was a devastating headline. It really was. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah. I mean, the, between this and the Galaxy Fold, I was busy this past yeah. uh, spring on these things. But. <laughs> do you think they're, they're going to ship the Galaxy Fold? I know that they're supposed to, but... I, I, I mean, I it think, looks like it. There's re, I mean... I still think can't, that, I can't say too much, but I, I you know, I'm, all right. I'm supposed to speak with the company soon. You know? I, don't, I, I don't know. I still think they're going to run out the clock and then come out with a different fold. You know, I think they're going to run out the, I, I, maybe they'll ship it, but I, I think they're going to, I, part of me thinks that they're just going to run out the clock and tell people they're coming out with it, delay, delay, and then come out with a new, an entirely different folding phone. Like, I, there's no doubt in my mind they're going to ship a folding phone that will actually work. I don't know whether it'll be good, but, I don't think that the one that they were going to ship is going to ship, but we'll see. I mean, they, they announced last week or two weeks ago all these improvements that they've made. And they're shipping – I actually think they're starting to ship in Korea yeah, this week. Yeah, maybe. Well, then maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, yeah. anyway, congratulations. I mean it sincerely. Column of the year. I don't oh, know. I appreciate that. It really was. It's, it was so great. And really it had the effect on the actual world. So – yeah. yeah, I mean, mostly I got those butterflies, the real butterflies in. Yeah. And that was a, I felt the biggest accomplishment of my life. You don't know what it's like to order butterflies. <laughs> uh, everybody, of course, can read your fine work at the Wall Street Journal and on Twitter. You're just Joanna Stern, the most obvious and easiest username to remember of all time. Uh, thank you for coming back on the show. I guess I should thank my sponsors, uh, Squarespace, Linode, and Fracture, and. Uh, I, I hope to see you soon. Hopefully, we'll see. You, I, I will see you at a MacBook event later this fall, and, and we can sit together and do our standing ovation. No, my guess is I do think they're going to have an event. I think they because we know the Mac Pro is coming. I can't believe that they would do it without a, an event. Although I guess with mm-hmm. the iMac Pro, they didn't have an event when it shipped. They had us. They did like those demos. Did you go to that? Like the, it was like yeah, New York. Yeah, and they had just so maybe they'll do something like that. Uh, you know, instead of having an audience event, maybe they'll do. I think they're going to do something though, because I the Mac Pro is definitely coming. They're going to want to show it off. I think that there will be new iPad Pros, because I think that they've got the iPad Pros on the same schedule as the iPhone now. Where like you know, six weeks after iPhones with the A whatever number, the iPad Pros come out with the A thirteen X, and it's insanely fast. so yeah, I think they're also probably going to do this little tracker, this yeah. tile tracker thing. It just feels like it's going to come before holiday. I think so too, and so I kind of feel like late October. And you know, when they do a second event, they usually do like you know, like October twenty something. You know, and they often pick like a unique locale. Remember, like two years ago, they had the event at the Chicago High School, and last year was the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Uh, I hope it's New York. <laughs> I don't really hope yeah. it's not California. I have a conference in California the 21st. So mm. if anyone's listening, yeah. make sure the Wi-Fi is good on the 28th someplace. <laughs> anyway, Joanna, I hope to see you then. And yes, not, you too. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks for listening to anyone who listened to this all. <laughs> oh, people do listen to it all. Trust me. I know they do. I know. Uh, it's... I, all right. I'm going to stop recording. Okay. I, I am going to stop recording too. All right.